outside, it's like God let me dial up the weather Got the whole crew here, I ain't seen some of them in forever It's one of those never forget it, better stop and take it in kind of scenes Everything's just right, yeah, except for one thing You should be here, standing with your arm around me here Cutting up, cracking a cold beer, saying cheers Hey y'all, it's sure been a good year It's one of those moments that's got your name written all over it And you know that if I had just one wish It'd be that you didn't have to miss this You should Welcome to Taste Needs Down, episode 245, and it's me, Gary P, and of course, it's the prof, it's Carl Riley. Back on regular Thursday mornings, Gary. We're even missing the Conference League final to yep. record this for you. The Irons are playing Fiorentina, Viola as we speak, and uh, me and the prof are in the lair, admiring his bookshelf. And of course, lesser credit. And he'll be, this bookshelf will be nothing without lesser credit, our Ocean Let's Go prof. It pretty much is there the reason. We have to get uh, Ocean Ledger well, to put some spotlights so it can shine onto the books. That's a great. It didn't physically come here and help me hmm. categorise this, but if you want to give them thanks, that's fine. Hmm. There we go. So that's it. Um, this week we have our Bank Holiday Weekend wins over Dundalk, Sligo, and an interview with Keith Dignam and Joe Hanrahan, who played for Rovers and UCD in the 80s. And Keith played at Milltown the last season of the four in a row, and Joe played under Alex Ferguson at Old Trafford. So brilliant interview coming up, Prof. Some really, really yeah. good stuff. This is a good one, isn't it? Yeah. A little bit left field. I like left field. Um, excellent stories. So feedback from last week. Claire Shock on the forum. While I rarely keep up to date with the topical podcast in the feed, I must say I'm really enjoying making my way through some of the history-themed episodes of the podcast. The ones with the old lads on chatting about their careers and their time watching Rovers in the mid-century are a real treat, which could be a lot of things. <laughs> it could be a lot of yeah, them. Yeah, that got me thinking who could be talking about now. It sounds This is a new could member. Monthly Madness, maybe? This is a new member of the farm. Sounds like he could be an elder statesman if he likes the mid-century fans and players. I'm gonna say monthly, old-school monthly madness mm. shows is what he's listening to there. I like that, even though he admits he's not may not be listening every week to the current events, but I like that he's just sort of like he likes the stories from the from the older players. Mm. James and Cook, yeah. one of the Cooks. Thanks a lot, lads. Just got some strange looks on the bus to work when I laughed out loud at Jeremy the giraffe. <laughs> Jeffrey wasn't it yeah was he, it Jeffrey he, he wrote the, it was, yeah. it's Jeffrey yeah and David R. Hell lads Jeffrey the Giraffe that bot story would make a great kids cartoon book it's not a bad show probably can get an artist exemption there as well you don't go. you get a tax credit for for being an artist well you just we mentioned could, Nestor credit we can have to yeah. get the ball rolling there the Tifty's children's book stories just on our next two shows actually um like I say, I'm quite, I'm quite um, looking forward to the reaction to this one because I think it is a good interview with uh, Joe and Keith. But our next two are quite special because we have Con Murphy in studio for the first time in a few years. And we are going to be on the other side of the microphone. Oh, 
Oh, it's happening. This one's happening. The questions will be directed to you and I, which has never happened before. We have been on another podcast before. We were on Friday, I'm in live, but no one has ever asked us about this podcast before. In the lair. So this this is the first. And then the following week, part two of the 70s show. So this could be a builder of two episodes. This is going to be very, very interesting. And we are... If you have any sort of interest in this 70s show and you'd like to be maybe a cast member sitting in the back, having a quiet point and just taking it all in, let us know, DM us. We're going to have some small amount of invites going out. It's going to be a live show, but it's going to be a nice, quiet, relaxed affair. But if you do mm. want to come and sit and listen to some great stories about the 70s and have a point with us, there's no problem. That's what we're going to do. So if you do, register your interest, give us a show. Say, yeah, listen, I'd love to go. We'll give you time. We'll give you a, a place. It'll be no problem at all. It won't be one of these raucous affairs. I think James McLean, Jason McLean put it up last week, a picture of him at oh, the yeah. first live show. After the Pogs whiskey. Yeah. I noticed so he was wearing the that. green jumper. I think I was. I think me and him were the only two people rocking the, the Brazzer green jumper that day. Uh, we also had... Roy Gallagher was born in Bally Shannon, not Bally Buffet. Oh, so yeah, that was Bally Buffet. Slight correction there. So is Bally Shannon? Where is Rory Fest? I'm nearly sure Rory Fest is up. It's up there. It's up, maybe mm. it's Bally Shannon. You're probably right. And speaking of music, I didn't go to OMD. I don't think you did either. No. Um, so if I was there, I would have said, "Boo, play Shannon and the Macanip song." <laughs> Um, I've been advised to bring my yellow cards for Jack versus Rory in the quiz. Oh! Given all the dissent that's going to be coming my way, I think you might need a referee for this one. Might need to back you up. I might have to turn well, up for this one, Prof. We might might might, might need to be a double act because well, there could there's going to be manipulation. There's going to be dirty tactics. This is going to get bloody. Well, there could be a special guest quiz master. Now, more on that later. But I also met Sean Gannon on the way out of the Dundalk game. And he's still giving out about the quiz, about that I gave a question. Uh, <laughs> what is the name of Kerry Stadium, Mount Talk Park? And he goes, Sprigged! I told him that he got the lowest score. I just goes, keep that quiet, will you? <laughs> he actually did the lowest? Uh, I do have sympathy. I forgot to say this last week. I have sympathy for the first round of guys. And that was Gary O'Neill... Sean Gannon and Neil Ferrugic two of them didn't make it out two of them got very low scores uh, the questions got easier as they went along so you're probably better off being in the later batch we kind of test the waters with the fourth yeah. batch isn't it poor big sexy doctor sitting yeah. at home without a quiz now bro. now he was brutal Ferrugic brutal but the questions were harder but the qualifiers are mostly a bit of crack. I mean, he could do it's, a bit of algebra, but I don't think he can yeah. answer topical questions. It's mostly just to establish the quiz and warm them up. And if you're brutal enough to get eliminated, off you go. But the first round proper, we'll separate the men from the boys. First round proper. Bradzer says he has been effectively gagged by football authorities who are being silenced and it's wrong for the game. Um, I, I agree. We both agree with this. We know that that's mm. the story, but... When he says he's being silenced, well, is he saying that the threat and the whatever sanction they've put on him, if he does it again, is far too mm. potentially serious for him to talk out again? Is there something we don't know? Do you know what I mean? 
Well, basically, we all expect him to get fined for what he said post-match Cork, but he, as far as we know, he wasn't. But a message came in saying, if you speak about officials again, you will be fined or banned. So basically he's saying, I'm not allowed to speak now. Yeah, so for the greater good of his team and our campaign and our quest for the four in a row, he's going to say, okay, well, there's bigger things out there to worry about than me giving the refs a bit of guff. Hmm. So smart move by Brad's I got out what he really wanted to say. And listen, you know how much we love Brad's on this show, Prof, but Roddy's a fan of him now. I don't know what to think of that. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, we know Pat Dolan's a big fan of him. He's done a few pieces in the star. Obviously, Roddy likes him now because he's won smoke off the refs. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah. Well, Roddy was a fan of how Brazzer carried himself, the, his dignified manner the last couple of weeks, which I think a lot of people were impressed with. He was a class act all week. Even the way he came out against the refs, I know his, his critics might say that wasn't classy, but... That was the worst refereeing performance no, it, we've ever seen. Sometimes you just don't have to be classy. And it wasn't even where he was rude or he was um, obnoxious. He just, it was a bloody nose for the refs and it was blatant honesty and truth. And there was yeah. no, I couldn't fault, I can't fault him at all. Now, going back to Bradzer when we used to say that he needed media, tra- media training and he did put his foot in his mouth a couple of times at the start of his reign. He has gradually progressed. His media skills have progressed the same way Pico has as a player. If that makes sense, yeah. you know. Remember the browser cast? We actually asked him about media and how he approached. I found his answers fascinating. There, he, he admitted himself that he was too open early on, but uh, he also said he was considering quitting the job because of those wild chants. Now, how long he spent considering, we don't know. But the fact that it crossed his mind is. Uh, Staggering and shows how nasty it was. He basically thought, you know, is is football worth this? Yeah, but what you have to remember is that what happens behind closed doors, people don't know. So you don't understand the the hurt and the anguish and the pain that exists mm. within someone's life who's suffering with this type of thing. It's not just for Brazil, it's Josh as well. Josh has that's, to deal with the media reaction that's the to thing. what happened. And kids have grown up in the social media genre now and their their lives are enveloped in the whole system of social media and being online. So you can only understand the, the heartbreak that went on within the house. And that's what ultimately it falls down to is once you're happy at home, everything else falls into place. So if that's not worth it at home and it's not doing doing what it needs to be doing then you've mm-hmm. got to make a change. So I do. I have so much admiration for how he dealt with the situation. I really do. Well, the two Cork fans received lifetime bans. That was announced by Cork. Um, so, yeah. Hopefully, sort of a, a bookend on it. Uh, we'll talk about the post-match scenes at the end, which were really heartwarming. But, yeah, Roddy, a big fan of Brazzer and a big fan of uh, our centre-backs. He was present uh, Pigo. Or sorry, uh, Richie Lopez. Ricardo, Richie. What else? How many more? We'll be just. Do you know Pico what? Do you know what the just, funny thing is? Maybe should Pico just rename himself, like Ricardo, because he's called that more than he is Pico. But you know, it'd be great if he had some sort of catchy nickname <laughs> that just rolled off the tongue. Just uh, Pico. It's a fucking easy one. People call their dogs it. I, I couldn't get mine. We unfortunately we lost our little doggy not too long ago, and we I wanted Pico and Rory Gaffney. Didn't happen because I never get me way in the house because of my man. I didn't get 
uh, Rory Gaffney and Pico anyway. So, but like, <laughs> it would have been funny though. He'll be there out the front garden. Rory Gaffney, <laughs> come here, Rory Gaffney. But the the the, the Jody Byrne dog story. Yeah, ever. the Jody Byrne dog. <laughs> that was yeah. good. Uh, but yeah, he was praising Richie Lopez for his organization of the back tree, which is has, was phenomenal over the bank holiday weekend. The way he organised that defence. I think uh, Maloney had been very, very vocal. Jason Maloney, um, mm. resident scribe and amongst other things. He had been very, very vocal about Pico's organisation skills in the last couple of weeks and just in general. And I, I don't think I've ever been in love this 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 in love with a defence ever. I just love them. I love this defence, no matter what combination. Now, we all have our own personal preferences. Mm. But this those four lads are... are the best backline Rovers has ever seen in my lifetime and possibly I don't know can anyone else name a better back four or interchangeable well, defensive line there was, that there was a brief debate in our chat wasn't there and I think Maloney said Pico Joey Scales which is, you could argue is the most balanced in terms of footedness and experience and organisation you could argue that is the best three but that's another thing that might be coming up soon not not in the next two shows, but actually, we're going to ask each other our talent era all-time 11. I think it's long overdue. So you can you can have a... Yeah, you didn't give me a month to Oh, you, you have a few weeks to think about that. Because that's like, the tough one. Even now, right? Grace wasn't in it before this season. He just about got taken over. Now, Grace is probably in it for me. Sean Hoare was our best defender last season. Yeah. Now on... Current ranking, as you could say, he's fourth because he's been he's been out of the team <laughs> but and, that's he's, a, that's and he's a, been red carded. That's a harsh fourth, isn't it? Yeah. When you say fourth, he's still probably better than three quarters of the defenders in the league. He could jump to second now in yeah. two weeks. The way that's so but fast. But Lee Grace move. has been absolutely unbelievable. I think it's more so that the way it's like he wears his heart on his sleeve every time. He has that that real genuine. Tr- not try hard you know what I mean like he just genuinely seems like he's always putting his best in and now he's growing his hair prof he's got some sort of mad <laughs> hair going on I noticed you're a fan of that I'm now, loving yeah. this I'm loving the 80s style because you know he has these mad hips and the way he moves and swerves like you saw him out in the showgrounds he turned into Iniesta for about 30 seconds mm. before our first goal but we'll talk about that in a while and did you know that he is now second here. in the league in successful passes, he has eight hundred and twenty-nine. Not a surprise at all. He to Jack's pings nine, them about. Eighteen. He pings them about. Gary O'Neill's fourth centre half. He's he's fucking brilliant. I love him. I really do. We we'll move on, Prof. We drew Dundalk away in the FAI Cup first round. This is a terrible draw, but like one of our resident Tifty Bogey said, El Milner, Mister Away Days himself, he said that you have to be five teams to win the cup, no matter what, home or away, you got to do it, and that's it. It is a tough draw, but. This would have been a worse draw two or three years ago. Now, mm. considering the form that Dundalk are in, and they are fucking... They're not in great form. The squad isn't great. There's all sorts of turmoil going on behind the scenes. Skip is under pressure. It's not the worst one in the world. Like, Derry away or Bowes away would have been a lot worse. Drawed it would have even been worse. Drawed it would have been a lot worse. It's not the worst in the world. Mm. I'm, I'm, but it, there could have been, obviously, a lot more... Ringman Rangers at home would have been great, you know. Well, it's just a couple of things. Yeah, you say you, you'd, you'd love a non-league club. We got Bangor Celtic last year. Um, also, can we but, adopt Bangor Celtic considering their draw? Can the crest look very similar? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can we go to Galway and just I pretend know, it's yeah. Rovers? 
What's another tough draw? Like, if you look at the last couple of years, draw had a Derry, Dundalk, all the way. Even go back further to 2021, Bowes away. That's four over the last five away to Premier Division teams. Just feels like we keep getting tough games. Uh, yeah. Finally, we got the women's draw home to Colester. Gives lip to Colester. But the, the there's also to consider, you're saying it's not the worst draw, but on a Friday night with no hectic schedule, yes, but... This game is going to take place a couple of days after the first round second leg of the Europa Commerce League, which Dundalk will be playing in. I don't think it will. It's the weekend between the first and second rounds of the Champions League. So even finding a date for this could be tricky because you might say, oh, just put it on the Sunday. But what if we're playing on the Tuesday? This will be a Sunday fixture somewhere way down the line. This will have to be crammed in because you can't have a first round and a second round and a third round. And have one lingering or after them that hasn't been played. So this will be a horrific time indeed when we play mm. this game, right? Mark the words. So we'll, be, we'll be, be greedy, Gar. We want to double. The best teams do win doubles. Now, if you if you ask like really basic questions like, which do you want, the four in a row or the double? Well, if you, when you boil it down to questions like that, yeah. But I don't like the idea of choosing to not win a double. Yeah. I don't like oh, the yeah. idea of letting a cup go. Absolutely, man. Look how I mean. Look how historic the twenty nineteen cup win was. I was only talking about it with Jaden not too long ago. He still knows the order of the penos. I remember I texted you. <laughs> oh, there's a quiz question. Yeah, because the order of the penos, and then we ended up talking about it again with Jaden in the car. Mm. And because I lost him at full time, and I couldn't find him. I mean, when I looked, he was on the pitch <laughs> beside the trophy. Him and his little friend ran up. So we were talking about that, and it was just talking about the order of the penos and just how historic that game was and. How it propelled us on to greatness, you could say. You can't say no to the cup, man, realistically. And I love the fact that it's still very nostalgic and it still holds that bit of lo- like that bit of mystique around the FAI mm. Cup. Do you know what I mean? We were very unfortunate with circumstances last year, three days after Ghent going up to Derry. But there was something I mentioned last week in the show. It was a letter sent in to the hoop scene <clears throat> by a random English gentleman. And I promised I would oh, read it Oh, tell me about this, yeah. Uh, this is well worth the time listening to this. This is brilliant. So it's called Letter from Across the Sea by Ian Davies. So Robert says, Following our recent home game against St. Pat's, an English visitor contacted the club to say how delighted he was with his experience at the game. So this was the 3-2 win at home to Pat's uh, a few weeks back. Oh, yeah. So Ian says, I found myself in Tata this week and as I checked into the Maldron Hotel I was advised that the dining menu would be altered because it was a home game across the road. I quite like the game of football but being a Stoke City supporter it's been a while since I've watched a good one. What else would one do on a Monday evening in a strange city or country than pop across the road and see if there were tickets available? A few minutes and 20 quid later I had a ticket for the West End. It has proven to be the best decision I've made this week so far. When I went into the club shop to inquire about tickets, I said, I'm not a Rowers fan, and the reply was, he will be later. <laughs> I laughed and wandered out to get my ticket from next door, but in the 88th minute, I was on my feet screaming at the referee and as nervous as I ever have been watching a team take a penalty. There was nothing neutral in that moment. I was fully behind Rowers and winning that ball into the net as though I was back at the bet 365. <clears throat> The footy was fun, but the real reason for writing to you... You're not going to do a Stoke accent? No. Not on a wet Tuesday night. 
was to say what a lovely football club you run and how lovely your supporters and stewards were to me. The granddad with his granddaughter who chatted in the bar at the hotel. The stewards who looked at me a bit weird when I asked where I was supposed to sit. The two ladies who flanked me in the stand and chatted to me like they had known me for years. The father who directed me to the West End and his son who asked me who I was for. I mean, when a young boy, dressed top to toe in green and white, excited because he had just met his hero, who apparently was also on the front cover of the Matchday programme, asks who are you for, I don't think it could be anyone else but Rovers. I was slightly annoyed by a chap who was giving a running commentary on every kick of the ball, <laughs> but then I realised he was commentating for the chaps in front of him who were partially sighted. Fuck's sake, Phil. <laughs> How beautiful that you catered this way for your supporters. The number of young people wandering around with pints of drink and boxes of chips or nachos was a beautiful sight. The sheer number of people of young people and the tender age of many surprised me. But how wonderful to know that the next generation of football supporters is being homegrown. All in all, it's probably the best 20 euro I've spent on a business trip. I smiled all evening. The whole experience brought me joy. Football is not always like that. And it was nice to remember why we are supporters. After 50 years, you'll not replace Stog City. But I do think you have a new supporter from England. And if that's okay, uh, thank you for a truly entertaining evening. Oh man, brilliant. That is brilliant. Isn't it? A proper football fan taking in another... And do you know what? He obviously has been used to Stokes and, and Stokes match day facilities and whatever else. But this has come. he's come over here and he's just fell in love with everything. That's happened at Tallis Stadium. It's fucking brilliant. Excellent, excellent stuff. And you know what? I think that's a lovely... Like, that makes makes it all worthwhile at times because it's a lovely, lovely gesture for him to even give the feedback. And that is what people I want know. at times. They that want he, feedback. I love that he took the time to write yes, that. Yes, exactly. Yeah, for, he, he literally hit every aspect of match day from hospitality to the stewards to the game itself to everything. Brilliant. Excellent. Much appreciated. So, Prof... 2-0, Dundalk, 10 men down, and I spoke to you about this and their podcast talking about how poor they are against 10 men. This was previous, <laughs> so prophetic stuff from them, and they were talking about how terrible they are against 10 men, and when we went down to 10 men, I was thinking, no, there's no way it's going to happen. Two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row, yeah. So the build-up, um, I got to this one just, uh, just in time for kickoff, prof. Same here, actually. The first game in a long time, I only uh, went to until kickoff. It swings around about. That's uh, how it works. We had, we had the center was back, Mick McCarty, back in Tada. We had Noel Sinner there. I think it was his first game there in a long time because I interviewed him for the program, and we gave him an invite. Him and a couple of family members. We had Oidemo in the ah, house. Good stuff. And we had Big Gavin Mizunu, who Peter Collins did not even recognize. Gareth had to point him out. Peter Collins. Yep. There you okay. go. I am. Um, uh, the moment Maloney said, "I have a really bad feeling about tonight," that's when I knew we'd win comfortably. <laughs> the moment when I put in the group chat, uh, Greener starting. Yeah, obviously I was yeah. show, showing off about my prediction that he was start, and someone put a poo emoji <laughs> next to my message. I said. Green has gone pay really well. <laughs> and so it proved. A poo emoji game. I think it was Jake, uh, actually. I de- Seriously, though, I doubt... I, uh, I know Operation pat myself on the back here, but... Oh, you deserve one. I doubt anyone else would have picked him in that 11 no. that week. And now, come Monday, 
people probably felt it was harsh to drop him. When you said it, I just thought, oh, just hit home, you know? It's not something that I kind of thought of. So, um, the first half, anyway, uh, it's beautiful, beautiful sunny day in Tallaght. This is what I love. I love, it's like your happy place. South stand, sun is shining, full house nearly, and you're just, it's where you're happy. All the anxiety that you've suffered or whatever's going on in your week just simmers away and goes, and you're in your happy place. So, um, yeah, no, it was a good start. And Dundalk are dog shit, let's be honest. They had some okay spells in the first half. Their 77 on the left was dangerous at times. How effective he was. Tullock, right hand Tullock. Now, this is the guy we spoke about before. He He's quite good, fast feet, ability for days, but I don't think he fits into that team. He, he seems to do all the donkey work and then nothing comes of it. You know, he can't do it all himself. That's what it seems mm-hmm. like is the case. Um, they're, they're just poor. It's just not clicking for them. They really aren't a mm. good team at the minute. We could have had a couple of goals early on. We had Jack on the edge of the box, had a decent chance. Uh, Greener had a good one was it we tried to round the keeper was it yeah so the ball dropped I think it was a lovely little pinked in ball and his touch kind of took him a little bit away from the keeper but I think he should have took I don't think he should have took the extra touch to try and round mm. him I think he should have just took a first time this has he, a happy ending of course to be, in terms to be, of rounding keepers yeah yeah trying to be a little bit cute anyway yeah so Prof 1-0 green and we had some great work on the right and so by Ronald Finn. And uh, excellent ball in. I love Finner. Well, you can go back before that, even Cavo. Cavo, yeah. Uh, Cavo was really gets here. things in motion. He drills the ball into Greener's feet. And then Greener puts uh, Finn out wide. So Finn, Finn knows his limitations. We spoke about the lack of pace in this team when Fruja Clark are not in the team. And when we don't have that pace out wide. And it was noticeable against Dundalk because... Cavo and Finner won't go forward the way Clark and Ferruja do. There's a little bit of, in, in the back of their minds, they know they haven't got the pace. They know they haven't got the speed to kind of get by and play the way they do. But they play it cool and they play it smart. Like Finner always kind of turns in, maybe two towards into their half when he's going mm. forward from the right-hand side. He doesn't really go to the boy line. He'll look for a Bork or a Jack and he'll play his way in again, and then they'll put a little diagonal ball in and try to put Finn in that way. Finn mm. will never try and take on, well, he, he can do at times, but he'll never really try and beat players. He'll yeah, always try and work mean. a triangle pass, and then they put in, and it works, like it's smart, it's boxing he, clever. Finner was excellent until the Finner was really good. I thought he was on course to be a man of the match, which he's had a few of those against Dundalk over the years, hasn't he? Totally, yeah, totally agree. He was excellent, and super ball in, and then Greener, <laughs> Actually, Gaffney's ball out to Finner was 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 uh, really good as well. Yeah. yeah, and then the ball to Greener. Yeah. The ball to Greener. Uh, Greener hits it with his supposedly good foot, his left foot. Did his best to miss this one. And um, <laughs> honestly, I reckon this ball would have ended up with nachos on it because if it didn't hit the keeper, because yeah. it was going all the way out. But uh, the keep uh, realistically, it, it should be an on goal in this old league of Ireland with no dubious goals panel. I suppose it's a goal by Greener, mm. but it's should be an all goal. It's really. going a good four yeah. feet wide, like. But either way, we'll, goal goes we'll, in Greener. We'll give him the brace anyway, and uh, Greener gets the Greener Greener chant, and we're one 0 up in my motor room. But um, so we look fairly comfortable in the first half, and um, these just don't do it for me. At their centre halves, they had Boyle back. I think they dropped. They had Muller and Boyle centre half. They dropped Waziri. 
Williams was. So they dropped him. Um, they had been giving out about the partnership before that, but they don't really look up to much. He's looks, he looks like a man under pressure and a man that's failing to get his thoughts across to his team. It mm. looks like they're just not doing what he wants them to do. In his head, he knows what they want. Well, he knows what he wants, but it's just not translating on the pitch at the moment. So, um, yeah, so halftime, Prof. And um, I went to the halftime thinking, lovely, great day, 1-0 up, sun is shining, we're playing really well, boom, love it. But then, Finner, five minutes into the red. Now, we won't be too harsh, but Pico's wayward pass is killing him here. It leads to this. It yeah. leads to the goal. So, Pico's out on the left, a ball's pinged into him, um, Rondo style, and Pico just plays a ball back casually and it's it, it puts them in on goal so Rayhan Tullock the guy we were talking about bit of pace bit of trickery very very good mm. finisher that's what I was thinking the second Finn got anywhere near him I just thought Finn's gonna chop him it was a matter of inches it was it was a close one but <clears throat> he takes one for the team here I, I think personally I put this up before this is my favourite red card this season <laughs> because all, all in all right, he knew what was going on he's thinking to himself right Dundalk are shit against 10 men Tullock is true on goal here. He's about to bury it. He's a very good finisher. I take him down. We go on to win. Because it's the master plan. So brilliant stuff from Brazzer. And we've oh. already had a practice session against. Or with 10 men. Or even 9 and 8 men. There you go. Brazzer even said that we learned from it. From last week. We learned how to close down spaces. With the, the man disadvantage. So we learned from that. And use it to our advantage. There you go. Prof. Once again. But it was a pure, like the second he did it. I just thought red. Straight away, and yeah. personally, I at, even at the time, all joking aside, I I felt like it was the right decision because I didn't want to go, I didn't want to go, uh, I didn't want to concede, and I was thinking to myself, I think we're possibly all right here. We're possibly okay here with ten against these. So the one nil. Yeah, I I wasn't panicking or anything, but I was just thinking, how will this game pan out now? I don't yeah. I don't want to be clinging on with ten men. Obviously, he went the other way. Yeah. But um, I also thought, Garrett, would a giraffe have been allowed on the pitch at this point? Like, is there a loophole here? Because you have to have 10 men. A giraffe is not a man. Technically, do you have to be human? Is there any... You could have 10 men and a giraffe striker. Is there anything in the... L- <laughs> like a dog running around the pitch. <laughs> is there anything against playing a dog or a fucking animal? <laughs> Where show me the law? That's what I want to know. Isn't there a terrible film about a dog that plays football? <laughs> uh, Eamon said Gaffney reminds him of a young Joffrey the giraffe out there. Uh, but it's not long after the actually well, after the red card, Dundalk had a little like ten minute spell maybe where they tried to put us under pressure. Yeah. But then not long after that, we're the one making opportunities and we look more likely to score. And you start thinking, I think we're going to nick a second here. And uh, so we did. It felt like we were playing better with ten men. Um, we well we do like that's sometimes sometimes that's how it is. But we struggled for a while with ten men against ten men. Sorry, so with ten men we're well able. Eleven against it, we seem to struggle to break teams down at times. Remember, mm. we had a little period of time where we we were terrible against ten men. But second goal, Greener on sixty two minutes. This is a lovely, lovely goal with um a gorgeous, gorgeous ball out to. It's from Gaffney. Rory Gaffney. So Rory Gaffney makes a lovely, lovely run out wide. Doesn't Jack give it out to Gaffney? 
and then Gaffney plays it into Greener. You talking, about, you talking about the assist before the assist? Yeah, the assist before the assist. I can't remember the assist. I think before it was Jack. Assist. Either way, because the two games and there's so much going on with Jack in this Ligo game. I'm nearly sure he did. But either way, lovely, lovely weighted pass. Inch perfect. Yeah. Inch perfect to stay on side. And then Greener gets across his body, making it much harder for the defender to tackle him. It means he has to foul him, give a red. And then he rounds the keeper and slots it home. Something that we, I love seeing that you don't see that often. Yeah. His composure here is brilliant. And you talked earlier about how he tried to round Shepard. Uh, this time he remembers that. He remembers how Shepard smothered him. And he does it differently. He takes a bigger touch. Big one. A much bigger touch. Takes it away from him. And that's experience. Experience and of it, it was actually, it was very early as well that he decided to go around them. Yeah. He was yeah. put through, took his touch, took another left and he gave maybe an eight yard touch the ball went eight yards shifted and then around Shepard and, and a lovely left foot finish still had a lot to do so good stuff from Greener and um, a squad player by all means and mm-hmm. he is coming in and he's doing the biz Kieran Cruz prof came out for his home debut young man from the Borough I believe and uh, Bort and Nugent also sub so good to see Bort getting minutes in the legs and mm. still a player that we actually aren't sure what he's like as a footballer we've seen little snippets here and there when they blow when we played against Bowes and he sent Jack for a herald before and scored say the same, say the same for power we're not sure yet we know he's very pacey yeah but it's uh, nuts isn't it this, this far into a season but um, well, something Roddy mentioned in his very pro Brazzer articles that Brazzer decided to let their fullbacks swing balls in well they said some very said, very dangerous ones in though in fairness he said you did that and we'll take advantage in, in other areas like we did and we see out the rest of the game and we seem very determined just to keep the clean sheet because even though it was like the 93rd 94th minute and we're throwing bodies in the line Pico and Dan Cleary are throwing bodies in the line putting in brilliant blocks Pico was, just gets the fame it was a battling display He it just comes natural to him he's a Beautiful, beautiful defender. And the thing is as well, I felt Leon was slightly stuck to his line at times. Now, is this the Leon who's in the team of the week? Certain, yeah. What do you mean stuck to his line? Certain critics would say that team the balls the were, a lot, a lot of good balls were whipped in. They were, but I felt like he just gave, I mean, heart was in my mouth a couple of times when they like, those balls where I just feel like, go for it, attack it. And they just flash across the box and no one gets a touch in it. It's kind of close to him. I don't know. Maybe mm. maybe a Jose could probably put me in my place and tell me what's right and what's wrong with this goalkeeping analysis. But um, yeah, that's that's it. Staff, you won't yeah. see extra. Won't see worse defending with an extra man, right? I know the way Carol Stafford gets a bit of a bad rap about being very vocal at games. For the first time ever, I thought to myself, this man is loud. <laughs> he is very vocal. You've noticed, yeah. A very vocal man. The only time that he's not vocal is when he pauses to. Uh, to use the vape then he continues again <laughs> that's the fuel take the vape <laughs> away and you take away everything else I just thought to myself wow yeah. he is <laughs> um, so just a quick one on performances um, like Gaffney if you remember on the last podcast we were concerned about him because he, uh, he's had the two or three poor games in a row he he rubbished that theory anyway he was he had a lot of energy and he was important to this display um, like I said, I thought Finner was brilliant until the red. Uh, even uh, whisper it, Paul McLaughlin. Paul McLaughlin had, had a good a, game. Had a good game, girl. Yeah. He, he let it go, but, and he yeah. he had a good game. 
But yeah, like we say, the centre backs put some shift in to to keep the clean sheet. I genuinely think that it's all about the refs' mentality beforehand. Keep them happy. You know, ladies, keep your men happy on the night before a game. Keep the refs happy. A few drinks. No stress. No fucking cars breaking down beforehand. No money troubles. If you have a happy ref, happy ref, happy life. <laughs> you have a happy ref coming into don't, a game. Don't chase him out at the airport. Yeah. You have a happy ref coming into a game. I think he'll let it flow. If he's in the height of it, he's going to be pulling yeah. everybody up and round with them all. So. Yeah, so we have Greener. Um, I interviewed Greener afterwards who's always my favourite player ever to interview that even includes Joey O'Brien I just love Aaron Green interviews uh, he just always gives you brilliant insight and honesty um, but I think that that game was really about three like we spoke Gaffney plays a hand in in the two goals obviously but really that game is about three players and that's Greener, Cavill and Finn because every time Every season, discussion comes up about those three players. And you're like, do we move them on or not? Mm. But it's games like these where they show their attitude and experience is invaluable. And this reminds you of why you keep them around. Just don't forget how good footballers they actually are, especially Kavanaugh in particular. Like, um, technically excellent. Um, he does a job whenever you need him. Centre half, whenever you need Kavanaugh will come in and do a job. Uh, I think those type of players are... Are brilliant like if you want to put Cavo in for the next three or four games he'll 100% do a job and more same with Greener three goals two games mm. he's been brilliant Greener was outstanding in this match I'm unbelievable so I mean that's the type of squad that wins your leagues type of squad depth whereas I don't know let's say an example would be Dundalk who just haven't got the squad depth to change a game or to to bring to close out a 1-0 mm. win where we would and I, I think that's where the game season that Players like those three uh, exactly will be 100% useful. agree with yeah. you, Um, five, six, oh, two attendance, good attendance again, constantly getting over the five, and then you want to be able to build on that as the years go by, prof. And that's it, the good averages have them going up steadily year by year. Um, O'Donnell consistently shy against us. Um, I used to think that he potentially could have been a good coach, and I think in his fourth season at Pats, we did struggle against that Pats team, did we? Possibly, or no. I don't think we did. They they never beat us. They never beat us. Um, but I always thought right, he he he'll be a good coach. I mean, he won the cup. Yeah. Definitely a good coach. But I felt that too. I felt like yeah, O'Donnell will be one of the biggest coaches in terms of challenges for trophies the next few years. I always felt that at the moment, it feels like the best in that can do is get Europe. Um, Ryan agree with a staff risk there. Uh, Brazer is still unbeaten against O'Donnell because. That defeat at Oriel Park last year, Brazzer was not at that match. It was actually McPhail and Cronin in the dugout. So Brazzer is still unbeaten against O'Donnell. That wasn't a good game, remember? Yeah. So we have a couple of things. I like to do this every time if I can. Stuff that won't make the highlights. And one is I saw a Pigo overhead kick. I've seen it all now. Oh, yeah. I think the whistle will blow anyway, but a Pigo overhead. Another example of uh, things that won't make the highlights. Jack curled a ball out to the left for Sean Kavanagh. And the weight on this ball was just ridiculously perfect. He's a sicko, isn't he? And then from that, Cavo puts the perfect low ball uh, right... Or sorry, this is actually a different one. Uh, this is Jack again, I think. 
post a perfect low ball right across the six-yard box, just begging to be poked home. Oh. And nobody was there. And, uh, oh, that would have been an amazing goal. Why aren't these things in the highlights? Do you know how long the Sligo highlights are? Four minutes. Four minutes, yeah, I saw that. Four minutes. Yeah, so uh, brilliant stuff, Prop. Very, very happy leaving. And um, on to the banker. Yeah, just before the banker, just the post-match. So you had Brazzer in front of the sales stand, um, looking quite emotional because the fans were obviously singing. There's one, there's one Josh Bradley. And there's a great video. I'm sure you saw it on Twitter. It's filmed behind Bradzer. So it's, it's like you're looking from his point of view yeah. into the stand while they're singing that. And it's one of those, like, you're, cu- you're cutting onions. It's, uh, it's, it's some watch. And Greener afterwards said he gave his man the match award to Josh. So Josh was running around the dressing room thinking he won the award. <laughs> brilliant stuff, brilliant stuff. Uh, great, great win again, Prof. And on to the bank, our Prof. 3-0 win. So I go bank holiday Monday. Um, Richie Finn was suspended, according to the radio. Um, but uh, So, Prof, we ran a bus this one. Probably the toughest bus we've ever ran trying to get numbers. I don't know what it was. Maybe it's the banker. Maybe the the key took a pounding on this one. Mm. I don't... It just wasn't happening. Just people... There was no real appetite. Ended up getting it over the line. And... um, Yeah, the whack ran it with uh, 13. I know, yeah. It's... Listen, yeah, the whack 13. So, yeah. uh, Gannon at right wing back as well, probably, who has been... Just not been being picked. So, um, good to see him back in the team because... Most decorated, most decorated player in, in the well, history. He's, he's not been picked at centre back, but I think I think I know he had one game at right wing back earlier this season. I can't remember who was against. Might have been UCD, but I think that was the first time in a long time Brazzer has ever even considered Gannon right wing back. You know, but he's transitioned to centre back a good while now. Um, he's obviously down the pecking order at the moment. He is a superb centre half. He is a bit of a forgotten man. Yeah, he is. I know he. Brilliant centre half. Don't forget that. He's had the injury, but yeah, Richie Finn suspended according to Radio Nova. So more name. Richie Finn. More name fuck ups. Uh, Craig Bulger was injured, and Sligo not really the same team without when he's missing early. He does do a job. I'll give him that. They had Dan Lafferty's centre back. Not sure how experienced he is. Uh, at uh, as a centre back, so yeah, Gary, like you said, our bus, not not a lot of the, the usual faces missing. Uh, you were singing, oh, the back, <laughs> the back seat is bare. <laughs> yeah, because uh, we actually, we the, the 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 conversation point was up the front of the bus. Believe it or not, underrated, underrated. Yeah, it was. It was good crack. You and Robbie was a, getting involved in it as well. Robbie, you even have a little did. table to put your can. Oh, that's that's it. I'm I'm done now. I'm never <laughs> going to the back again. Some mad decisions, like uh, the gent did this right. He he got the bus back with us because he was in Sligo for a festival on Saturday, so he stayed there. But then you get mad decisions like Dan Kyo going to Killarney, then coming back to Dublin on the morning, and then going up to Sligo again. There's a few a few buttes, all right. Kieran Kieran McBride doing the same. He was in Tullamore. He went to Dublin, and we went down to Sligo. It's like halfway there. Yeah, <laughs> don't have to go to Dublin. But actually, no. It actually, was a good bus. Uh, to be honest, any bus with Woody on it is entertaining. Ah, uh, the a conversations very, just go deep and very entertaining. Out and who we had? We had Aidan Mar, we had Pedro, yeah. we had Jonesy, Jonesy, resident thespian. 
it was quite the smorgasbord of personalities. It was great crack. Yeah, some people go, uh, not arse gone, even with a day off work and only a two and a half hour spin out west. Sun shining. Yep. Beers to be drinking. But listen, the less said the better. We won't say anything. No super fans here. 99s on the bus, Gary, you uh, you weren't impressed. 9s on the bus. Ice cream on the bus. I was having great fun up the front with me little table, and then I saw an ice cream on the bus that says, nah, club's dead. Tifties has been disbanded. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Mark Turner made a rare appearance on the on the away days. He uh, he wasn't happy his runners were getting ruined. I don't know how his runners got ruined, because unless he was dragged around like a child... Or he was kicking stones and door. I don't know how his runners got well, ruined. Well, I sympathise here because I only walked in that dirt just to go up the stand and back down again. And all that crap was over my runners. It is fairly dusty, yeah. Yeah, it's really dusty. But um, the first half, Prof, anyway, um, all the goals came in the second half. But the first half, I felt that we were we were really good in the first half. I thought we went for it. We could have had, we could have been two or three up, really. Um and McNicholas makes two good saves from Kenny. Yeah. So yeah. the header I thought was a bit of a camera save. Yeah. It was going back across goal, whipped in, then gone back across goal, and he was a good bit off his line. And he tipped it away. It was like, oh, here's the camera save. But uh, no, no, definitely happy with the first half and confident oh. going in. Now I'm never really confident coming up here. I don't know why. Well, we knew we had another gear to go up, and yeah. we, we did go up the gears second half. Um, we get the two goals in quick succession. Yeah, but the fourth goal, prof. This is a, this is a lovely, lovely goal. Uh, Johnny Kenny doing some brilliant work. The pass before the assist into Johnny Kenny, and Johnny Kenny just squares a beautiful ball with pace. And Gaffney takes a sting out of this. He actually, it's like he takes a heavy touch. He takes the sting out of it and puts a bit of backspin on it. Goes in, and then obviously mm. celebrating. And left Gaffney's left with a tap in then, um, and even before that. Uh, Jack Byrne just the usual the low centre of gravity this seemed to go on for an eternity he was just holding on to the ball and he can't be dispossessed and he just calmly plays his way out of space out of trouble do you remember there was a brilliant video I think it was on the Rick- twisting and turning that's Richard, how, that's Richard Attenborough's planet earth I think it was and it was about these lizards being born into a pit of snakes and the first thing they do is to run the gauntlet. There's an epic video out there, right? And this fucking lizard is just running. And there's snakes jumping at him. Left, right and centre. They can't touch him. There's no touching him. You're kind of slow to play with snakes. And he, they're snakes. Even though Bowser wasn't playing. And they're going in. And he just can't get this little lizard. I think it's a lizard. Or some sort of little creature anyway. And then he just ends up surviving and going over the top. It's like, there's Jack Bourne. You just can't touch him. You, can't, you couldn't touch him. It was ridiculous. If that was me... I'm taking the red. <laughs> You're into the fucking into the Jinx Avenue there. Sorry, it's not happening. Yeah, I'm, I was actually surprised by how not frustrated the Sligo players were. Yeah, I was expecting one of them just to hack Absolutely him. Absolutely, hack him. Yeah. So, so there was a great photo, wasn't it? It was someone put a side by side with the Iniesta one, where he's surrounded by eight <laughs> players. There's the famous Maradona one as well. Uh, was it Belgium in the in the eighties, the World Cup? I think it was Belgium. Yeah. Yeah. There's a line of players Apparently that was just an optical illusion That Maradona one Like the, there wasn't that many players Surround them it So it's just different the, angle just the way it was angled yeah. But we went on to our second goal With Jack Bourne again Absolutely skating around Who's the not, not, What do you think Nancy Pelosi Is that a skate No she's, she's a politician isn't she What's the name of the disgraced ice skater 
Oh, she had her boyfriend. There's a movie about her. Beat up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the one. I know Margaret Robbie played her. But that's Jake. That's Jack Board skating around. And uh, he just pings like the... This ball into Gaffney is outrageous. It's, it's disgusting. Just pings it into him. And I'm thinking, and again, no. The weight on the pass. Like, the weight it's not is just, outrageous. It's one thing to pick out this pass. But when Jack hits this ball, he knows where it's going to land. What sort of backspin is going to be on it. Yeah. What, where it needs to land so Gaffney can run onto it. And perfectly lobbed. This was... What was this? <sighs> Oh, I thought this might come up. Now, the comment, what did the commentator say? It's not a chip. He didn't say... Because the ball was already bouncing. So, therefore, it's a... It's a lob. I think the commentator... Lobbed over the keeper. I think the commentator says scoop, maybe. But oh, it's not a scoop. No, no, a no. scoop, the ball has to be touching the ground. Yeah. And then you go... Whoop. It was a bit dinky. Oh, it's uh, not a dinky. It's not a dinky. Because it was bouncing. Yeah. The ball bouncing and it wasn't on the ground. So, therefore, it's a, it's a lob for me. It's a lob. We'll, 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 we'll get this back. Give us all your, your feedback back on the book. Just a rumble on and on. I'm going to say uh, lob for Gaffney's second goal. So we were having a great time then in the shed. We were all singing Saturday night. Did you get a minute on you being pelted by a flare or eggs or stones or whatever? Uh, bodily fluids see, they I, could fling at you and I never put in the stand bottom. on that side. I'm more, more in the middle. But was there something thrown? I'd always thrown you. <laughs> I'd always thrown you. Um, but it's just like it's every single away trip it's like it's like we score or we're winning then the children of the corn they throw stones at us <laughs> or they throw flare at us right we get angry because we don't like having stones thrown at our faces then the stewards come at us and they're angry at us for being angry about like, having stones thrown at us get back there and get stuff thrown at you <laughs> it's like, get back there Every year it's the same. Stand still. There's a bottle of piss coming your way. Now you take it. I was like, can you say something to them? No. Yeah. Uh, and then they wonder why, like, they, that's probably been the most flashpoints ever. They've taken the most amount of losses on that in the terraces. They've been battered around that sta- that stand. <laughs> um, yeah, so we move on to the green winner and lovely bit of... Uh, Play and then Green at left foot buries it, and then he loves a goal up here, doesn't he? We said there's yeah, no chips shown at him, but the, the two subs involved here actually Justin does very well here to yeah. first of all win the ball, and then the little assist before the assist for Berkey, and then Berkey plays in Greener, and uh, yeah, Greener makes it three 0 with two minutes to go, so that put the ice on the cake. And uh, it was party time in the stands, prof. Yeah, but just I mean we. We spoke about Jack a couple of times there, but his ninety-minute performance—he's he's just he's operating on a different level to everyone he's, else. He's sick individual. I don't know how he's not in the Ireland squad. That's being honest. Um, but going into this game, we were we were speaking off air there. I anticipated a comfortable win here. You said it, and you said, "Gar, I don't know what it was, but I was like, oh, a prof hunch, me likey." <laughs> I was but just thinking, it's, it's got weird. I love a prof hunch, and you don't <laughs> when you you rarely have them, and when you do, it's on the money. But you know me, like I'm, I'm a little nervous going into every game. Mm. But with this one, it was just, I just think we win two 0 handy. I don't know yeah. why you thought that, but the only, only surprise was that when Berkey came on, I said Berkey is going to have a pop here, and he's probably going to hit the top corner. Yeah, and yeah, he tried yeah. it and all, and yeah. I, I was amazed it didn't go in because it was just every time Berkey's overtaken in the top goal scorers, he tends to, it's like he gets angry. And then he scores one. And then he just pops one in from 40 yards. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, uh, you've seen the champions. Now, fuck off home, rang out in the away yeah. terraces. and um, but We also sang, we can see you sneaking out. So, it's a little contradictory, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're... T- <laughs> We're, we're like fuck off on this oh we can see it <laughs> yeah very much so yeah so six goals in the last four games all by Gaffney and Green and we are flying at the minute and um, some great man away form has been brilliant this season oh I think we've and been the clean at, we've been as at, well we've been at every away game haven't we well I <clears throat> I, have, I have 100% can, league attendance can record can you hear Prof's cape <laughs> flowing in the background super fan super status fan. badges in the post um I'm pretty sure I haven't missed an away game. I don't think I have. Uh, yeah, so it's been brilliant. And, yeah, so um, a big three points on the road. Um, our biggest win at the showgrounds since a 3 0 win in May 2009. Biggest win at the showgrounds, yeah. So, you knew this was coming as well, didn't you? Yeah, on the day, Podge got a brace. And, Robbo. Yeah, Robbo got the other goal. And only one other player had scored a brace. For us, out in Sligo between Podge 2009 and Gaffney Gary on Monday. Twig. Gary Twig. 17th minute. 2012 with his last game in a rubber shirt. Bent time, space, and continuums because I, he scored off his own volley. Off still the bar. don't understand that goal. No. Uh, Tommy no t- it <laughs> Never happened. I don't think it happened. We were probably on a bus just going around in circles. No <laughs> temporal causality. Well, it was all a dream. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> Tommy Tarmy says it was like watching a cup game against the first division or Leinster Senior League side a couple of days after Europe i.e. we were far far superior uh, lacked energy and weren't fussed about the tonking yeah. it was yeah that's actually a good show it had like there was no real nerves in the crowd either you know there was mm. no real nerves in the crowd everybody was kind of relaxed and they just kind of mm. like oh, let's go here and get the result Probably one of our more the most comfortable wins ever up there. That's what I'll say now. Only two yellow cards in the game, and both were for Sligo, and one, the second one was in ninety fourth minute. So I, I find just it's baffling. I know it comes down to it's bafflingly frustrating. That's what it is because maybe maybe the assessors turned around and said, "Give them a break this week." But you're if, hammering them. But if you were to show like if you were to show the Bowes game away, and we won. Who was that again? Was that Hennessy? Remember we were praising the ref for the 2-0 win. And oh, knows. yeah, yeah. He let everything He let go. the game flow, right? The monostand. The first time in the monostand, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you have the Cork game, right? And then show If you were to look at these three games side by side, would you say anything different? Would you say, oh, well, that was a bit of a dirty game or there was needle in that? Was there any differences between no. the three games? No, not really. And one, the games let the flow. Two had two yellows. And the Cork one had three reds. The only thing about it is that one of the refs wanted to make it about himself more so than anything. And like you said, refing with cards. But yeah, no, definitely, definitely agree with that. But all in all, great, a great trip. Sun shining, loads of beer, loads of crack. Great fun in the fucking couple of points in the pub and a great trip on the way back. So very, very happy with that one. And prof, it's possibly our last proper away trip. Took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, till... September. You said that on the bus. That's what I was trying to coax people on. I was like, <laughs> yeah. lads, you won't get on a long trip until September. I there's do. Dundalk and there's Drotted. There's Europe, but there's no Sligo, Cork, Derry. But there is one more Cork. Yeah, but not until September, at least, minimum. Yeah. So uh, I think I knew, people might forget that. I soon. knew it was desperate when you started plugging the bus in the Pride of Rings end group. Yeah, I was called... I was called uh, <laughs> 
Shameless. Shameless, which I, I am. I am shameless. I really am. Um, so other results prop on the Sligo Bowl. Just on the five points clear. Oh, five um, points clear. Magic, yeah. Great read on the way is, home. That is such a strong position to be in. I mean, to come from two straight defeats. Like, Derry were top a week ago. Nuts. And, like, it's good. It's, like, we're playing UCD at home. Not take nothing for granted. There's a good chance we will still be at least five points clear going into the break. There you're playing balls on Friday. I mean, you'd have taken that. Like, at the start of the season, I generally hate that expression. I'd have taken that. Yeah. But five point lead going into the break. And you look at we've had some freak results and freak refereeing decisions in spite of that. <laughs> That is a very strong position. It is very strong. And with the upcoming games as well, it is a very strong position to be in with UCD at home and some other challenging fixtures for other teams as well. Um, it, yeah, it really is. Like, it snapped people's hands off if previously, you know. So, um, other Friday results, Prof. Bows 2, Sligo nil. They're really struggling. And Derry nil, Shelbourne nil. So, we went back on top and then dropped it nil. Cork won. So, a good win for Cork on the Friday a week after their win against us with the men yeah, the and then eight they made, men then they made yeah. it four in a row against Bowles, Pats yeah. 3-1 in UCD and other Monday results we've done that four but before you go on to Monday uh, give us your little weekly last man standing update Gary how, how, how did the Harps go for you? I was being too cute right <laughs> I was being too cute there was loads of open goals here right Pats away to UCD thought you, well, no, like, it's too easy I thought Finn Harps are home to carry Get it out of the way. Get it. When else? When else are you gonna pick Finn Harps at home? Delighted, I am. Nil all. <laughs> After they travelled up from fucking Mount Hawk Park, five hours. They're all Kerry lads. Five hours on the bus, and you couldn't put a goal past Kerry. <laughs> fucking useless scouse. Fuck. Jesus Christ. And they, do you know what? They were up hiking a mountain. They were up hiking up a mountain a couple of days beforehand. I wish a fucking bear got them, and that was it. Just call it a day. Finn Harps are no more. It's good prep. Oh man, I couldn't believe it, I was sick. And I have, I have all the fucking results planned out, but either way. Well, the Friday results, both two, Sligo, nil. And, uh, no, we already got, we already hopped in there. Monday results, Dundalk 4, UCD 1, so they actually went 1-0 down. And they came back. Uh, Huben with a hat-trick, and he's now their top goal scorer of all time. He, he, or he's matched it, one or the other. the record, yeah. 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 Equal the record. Shelbourne 3 dropped it at 2 with Boydie's first goal of the season. It's his first goal of the season. Jeez, he's had a struggle. But he's he? only 2 or 3 games back from injury. Yeah. So. yeah. so that was a, a a humdinger of a game. And Pats 4, Derry 1. Absolutely. Now it's not tonking but it's a hammering. And they beat them 4-1 comfortably with uh, Forrester leading the way there with a couple of dodgy, dodgy defensive well, decisions from, from Derry. All this made the bus home. Even better, didn't it? That we had won comfortably, and then you see these Derry and, and Bowes results. Yeah, the Cork So, Cork 2, Bowes 1 after Bowes equalised in the 88 minute. They ran to the halfway line with the ball to restart the game, and Cork scored again with kickoff. So, just imagine it. Picture the scene. It's 1 off. Bowes score. It was a bit of there was a delayed nervous celebration as well because they thought it might have been a penalty. So, they stroke it home, and they're all celebrating. They're jumping into. Cork City away end there's the family section there's more there's family section giving it loads in front of the family giving section giving it the big one they let off a big smoke bomb it's all blah, blah, giving it loads their whole right hand side or their left their their whole left hand side totally totally bare I don't know what happened but they ran up they got the ball they put it down 
Cork just sprayed the ball out wide. <laughs> and I think, um, I can't remember who it was who whipped it in, but they, they just buried it. And then the, the funny thing was the smoke bomb was still going yeah, off in the away video, section. That video from behind is incredible. The, and they were all still, still celebrating in the still Cork stand. All the Bowes fans trying to jump to the Cork stand <laughs> still celebrating. It's it's one of the best things you'll ever see. Not a drop of drink to be had either. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so there was a few things from that column from Cork on Twitter. He's fair played the Bowes and their fans for providing one of the funniest moments I've ever seen at the cross. Um, we have Ricky. He says Bowes are genuinely a meme. They actually are a meme. They are. This is, I think, what do they call it for Rangers? The banter years. This is the banter years for them. Yeah, so Phelan, friend of the show, 10 days ago, second successive loss, shit referee and three reds. Disgusting songs, Derry shit the bed in Sligo. Finna red, we still win, we don't shit the bed in Sligo. Derry shit the bed in Shakur. Bowes losing Cork, Pats are joint second on points. Footballers, mad folks, beautifully mad K-O-H and of course Prof we always say the contrast of emotions mixed emotions is the reason we love football and I got into a um, I got into a debate with a rugby fan in work about he's like how, how do you like football like rugby's like best sport ever I was like don't don't go down Rugger. don't go down that road man Heinemite Heinemite <laughs> yeah but it's just a f- fantastic feeling isn't it the way it can just bring you up and down and roller coaster oh man I, I'm not going to try and repeat it because I can't do it justice but Woody's rant about why gaff footballers are not skillful whereas football footballers are because they're using your feet as opposed to your hands was epic it was so good when did I miss this oh just ask him to text you it's brilliant oh I think it's just it's the beard and it's the Carlo accent as general just madness and but he's he's on the money lot, he's making a lot of sense he's on the money most of the time man uh, Eamon weird league they looked comfortably better than everyone by the teams in 8th and ninth. and Duffer in your head mugs now for sale as well that's a that's that's good merch personally I feel like we are missing a beat as regards to merchandise like that because if you look most recently and Giggsy won the golden goal and he spent it in the shop now this is just the way things are Umbro is a little bit more expensive than, than I think he got three items he got a gilet a top and a pair of shorts for 200 quid now I think there's a middle ground that we can come and Woolly once again had a great idea but I've been talking about this for a while like we could have an away days uh, line of, of t-shirts where it's a little bus or you have a little silhouette of some of a, a load of lads drinking on the side of the road where our activities logo can go. Do you know where we'd have our t-shirts? A little mm-hmm. small silhouette of maybe Glenmalore Park that Wally came up with. Just a little range of clothes that would be maybe 25 quid for a t-shirt and you don't have to go and get the 70 quid training top. You might want to get someone a Chris Crindle t-shirt or something a little small. I think we need, like the one we had yeah. before with the twig and the, and the Pajo stuff. I think we need to have a little bit more. Yeah, I agree with that, actually. I've always felt there could be more mid-range pricing. Mid-range, exactly, yeah. yeah. And a little bit edgy as well, you know? Something a little bit... A little, little smack mm. in the mouth, you know, off it, but... Uh, the Ultra shirts sold very well, they, they said. So, that yeah, it was good to hear, despite the, the three Dublin castles. Um, So, we had... Yeah, so... Derry, by the way, a couple of bad injuries. Uh, McElhaney injured... Uh, which is nothing new. He is a bit of a sick note. And Conan Whelan out for the rest of the season. Yep. 
Now, some people in the chat had strong opinions about this. A young lad off the back of an ACL injury choosing Derry up on that pitch. Now, don't forget... You don't wish injury upon anyone, but is that was that an awful decision? It depends on who is influencing him as his agent, really, as well, because his agent knows all these details. And, obviously, they offered a few more quid than, than Rovers did, so, ultimately... The move was a was what's the word? I don't know. Catastrophic, really, for him because mm. he's had two breakdowns now. He's had no luck, the young it's lad. Because of the pitch, it's because of what's going on up there, and I don't know. Maybe you look at his agent. Maybe you look at his representation, and and say that they made the the bad choice. Because ultimately, if your agent is going to be trying to push you towards a certain a certain deal, you're probably going to take it because that's what they're there for. They're there to represent you and pick what they think is the best deal for you and I don't think it was at the time so mm. not, this isn't nothing against the fella as well it's just it's a terrible thing for him you know bad injury so we also had Sean Grant uh, remember him Gar? he was fourth official in Daily Mount as well as Adam Lynch he was the linesman who got Richie Towles sent off he was also a linesman so nothing to see here folks yeah nothing to see at all Keep moving. Ex hoop news. Ennis Stevens is now a free agent, and Jim Jill is the new Clitheville manager. What about Ennis Stevens, Prof? Would you take him? Um, I don't think it's an option. He's still 31, 32. I think the plan. He's a stalwart in the championship. Surprised they let him go. Now they obviously don't think he can realistic. do a job in the not Premier. Realistic with wages. No, it's not happening. It's not happening. Jim Jill go to Clitheville has been very interesting on Twitter. Yeah, I've not read it, but. <laughs> I saw I saw people talking about it, yeah. Um very interesting on Twitter. Trust yeah, me. it's over the incident with his stepdaughter, isn't he? He's supposed to have uh physically assaulted her, so the Kiftonville fans not happy about his appointment whatsoever. Yeah. Interesting. Uh Johnny Kenny called up to the twenty ones prof, upcoming friendlies in Austria this month. So well done to Johnny and he's he's flying. Um well done, big big shout out to him. He's uh, he's finally hitting a bit of form prof and he's looking good. Um, FAI are set to unveil an ambitious 863 million just to 863 million could have rounded it off to 9 Euro wishlist to modernise facilities and construct a national football centre this is the pressure really getting put on really getting put on now and I love it I love it it's brilliant and it's what we need we need pressure we need to be able to relentlessly put pressure on this government until they just give in and say right I've had enough these are fucking doing my head in give them what they want Another great point by uh, Woolley on the bus. He says, we we as in football people have been notoriously bad at lobbying. Very much over so. Over the yeah. decades. Yeah, notoriously bad at lobbying. Once again, bit of culture on the tip these bus. <laughs> bit of culture. Not, not something you think you'd hear on a football <laughs> trip. Bit of culture, yeah. So the stadiums cost 250 million on this wish list. You got 140 million on training grounds and academies. 426 million grassroots National Football Centre 47 million and 80% of this will be funded by state channels very very smart moves and I think possibly this is us overshooting it and hoping we get about 6 do you know what I mean well that's how most things work but it's it's a 15 year outlook and then you would have 10 League of Ireland clubs playing in 20,000 seat or stadia and the other 10 would play in grounds no less than 6,000. Yep. Excellent stuff, Prof. How do you decide which clubs get the 6,000? Um, now, I know, like, 
I think it's all about infrastructure already. That like exists. Longford, for example. Yeah. We're not going to be giving them a twenty thousand seater stadium, but I'm interested in how you choose the ten. I think it would be. Do you know what? It's a, it's a good way of doing it. I think you have to look at location. You're going to have to look at how much work goes into the ground to actually do it. What's feasible? You have to get all the all the experts in to have a look at these things. Mm. It is very good, very good shout there, prof. Be interesting. Uh, an LOI player, prof, going down to the Love Island, and it's not Connor Cairns. No. Too busy keeping clean sheets. But it is a Shelburne keeper, apparently. Mm, apparently so, yeah. Pigo is in the Cape Verde squad, and Marcus Poom called up by Estonia in the World Cup qualifiers as well. So, mm-hmm. Prof, we are international. Yeah, his dad, Mart, was in Tala, apparently. Uh, if he was in he was in Tala for the Dundalk game, that's funny, because I put in a big picture of him in the programme, because he was mentioned in my article. And, yeah, so Poom... The only League of Ireland Estonian called up, Gar, your Sligo doppelganger, Livak, <laughs> was not selected. And the Poon debate kind of rumbled. Creda didn't get enough pats. Yeah, the Poon debate rumbles on. I, I think he's definitely improving every week. Um, I've liked him the last couple of games. There are times where I, I want more out of him. Yeah. He's just but, your origin of man, aren't you? You're just like, yeah. oh, come on, man. But I think, I think it's all with a view to Europe. Um, I mean, look how wrong we were about Chris McCann. Very much so, yeah. Absolutely, so, yeah. In Europe, he'll state in the obvious. He'll have more time on the ball. He could flourish. I hope he does. Um, as for for Liam Pauls, um, like Manus, we're here in three to four weeks. So three to four weeks, and it's now seventh June. And our first game will be 12th of July. Like, True. Will he make that first this, game? This so-called crisis, though, has kind of gone by without much of a bat of an eyelid as regards to Leon. Credit to Leon He's deputised well, let's be honest. He's not been majorly tested no. in some of these games. He hasn't really, so it's a good thing so far. Touch wood now, fucking... Mm. Fucking jinx. But the clean sheets will no doubt be... Doing his confidence, no yeah. harm. No, it's um, we've kind of gone through this whole period unscathed so far. So what hmm. remains to be seen, you know. Uh, the Westwood deal is off. We didn't say that last week. Yeah. And clean sheet so far. We have six for Big Al and five for Leon. That's oh, if you oh. give both of them the dairy one. Both of them, yeah, both get a dairy one. Yeah. yeah. Half. Give them a half each. Prof, the women, talk to me. What have we got? Yeah. Well, there was a. There was a period of time there on the Saturday where both our senior teams were top of the league for a few hours. Mm. But then P-Mount went, went and won away to Athlone, I think it was. And they regained top spot. So, nil-nil just finished. There was a power cut in Daily Mount before the game. So that affected the LOI TV stream for a little while. But then we they got it working again pretty pretty quick. Um, we had a, a league, a new league attendance record, one thousand two hundred fifty-six. Although this could have been clever by Bowes because it was underage player of the year awards being presented before the game <laughs> and at <laughs> half time. So that no doubt played a part in that high figure. Um, half a cabra sitting yeah. in the stand. <laughs> there was no half Bowes, half Rover shirts that I could see there. Like the words in Cork. I don't know what the hell that was. Was that, uh, was, was that a Stags, was it? Yeah, that ended was up... Was like the Giggsy thing? Yeah, a thing... Um, a f- screenshot from a Cork fella put it up. He's like, this thing's after I ended up in my gaff and it was the jersey. So apparently it was ripped off your man. I don't get it though. I genuinely don't get it. I don't find it funnier than the slightest. 
or amusing or in any way enlightening at all to kind of stitch together a Rovers and a Bowes jersey or put one on your mate on a stag. I, I don't, I don't get it. No, I we'll don't move on. We, we've had before. this before. Yeah, it's not. Happening. Yeah, so uh, scoreless gear. Uh, two teams could not be separated. Uh, chances for Abby Larkin on your Gorman. Uh, first half, and then the Roberts <coughs> push for a winner late in the latter stages, <coughs> but wasn't to be. We did need uh, a top class save by Amanda Budden to stop a known goal. Um, but all in all, maybe maybe a fair result, nil nil. We had Melissa O'Kane impressing in midfield. She made the team of the week. I presume these teams of the week for the women are. They have to be somewhat more logical than the men's because I, we're not even reading out the men's anymore. It's become it's just not even worth mentioning. <laughs> so next up again we have the leaders P mount. So this is in Tala. It's an earlier kickoff of four forty five. So it's a chance for us to go top because we have a superior goal difference. It's live on TG4. So this is TG, TG4 cameras coming to Tala for the first time. And uh, so yeah, should be a good top of the table clash. Local derby. Last game before the World Cup break. Uh, before some of our players go to Australia. So yeah. Anya, Abby, potentially one more. We'll see who uh, Vera picks. We have the Killinardin Samba Band. <clears throat> 50 drummers in the South Stand, Prof. 50 people playing drums. Remember when Palmeiras came and said, it was all like that. 50 of them, right? So what the plan is, is that we want to have a big wall of flags. We want the South Stand to be full of flags. So if you are willing to do it and part with your flag, which I've done plenty of times, Prof, Probably not through my own decisions at times. Sometimes on purpose, sometimes <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> so what we want to do is we, we will allocate a person from the club who will look after your flag. If you would be very much willing so, can you leave your flag there after the full-time whistle on Friday night against UCD? We will look after them to make sure they're all good. The club will do it. It's not a big issue at all. And then we want the South Stand adorned in flags and drummers and everybody. So if you are interested, get in touch with us and then we will... We'll make sure that the flag is okay and we'll liaise with the club and we'll get it done. We want to have a big occasion here. So it's been uh, it's been excellent so far. But 50 drummers, prof. Yeah. 50 of them. Killing Nerd and Samba Band. So yeah, it's a bit of a push here. Not something I thought I'd ever hear on the bingo board. Uh, no. The Killing Nerd and Samba Band. So yeah, we want, to, we want to go back on top of the league and we want our all-time attendance record back as well. This is a monster the balls, game. The monster balls. game. And so, did massaging the figures they were. They're massaging the... Manipulating. <laughs> um, brilliant, brilliant team. Very, very good to watch. Uh, there's going to be some super, super players in this team. Eventually developed like young Leo O'Leary in the middle of the park. Brilliant. Aoife Larkin. Anya Garman. Bit of a farewell and a best of luck sort of yeah. thing to Anya and Abby, yeah. Think that's, about that's it. We game. have players who are going to the World Cup in Australia playing for Rovers. You can go and see them on your doorstep. Get yourself down on Saturday. Leave your flags up and listen to the Kilnard and Salmon Band. You look like you're doing your Robbie Gaffney impression. I'm doing. I'm doing the. I'm doing the. I don't know. It's the Samba or whatever it's called. <laughs> what's, what's that thing? Carnival. That's Gaffney in the West End every Friday. <laughs> yeah. What you're doing there. Yes, so the Academy results, Prop 14's beat the Dock 2-1 the Eddie Wallace Cup at Roadstone. So a quiet weekend for the Roadstone project. And all of our um our 
uh, transition years. Uh, congratulations to them because they completed it. It was a great, great event at the Roadstone and they all had a little bit of time on the mic and uh, some great stuff out of the Academy and the Roadstone once again. But it's less than two weeks to the big one, Prof, the Champions League draw. I'm nervous. I want... I want... Had, there's a bit of a debate on this do you want the great away trip or for the betterment of the club do you want the handy one give me the handy one we all want that give me a handy one and you're going to get a fucking mad away trip do you know what I mean give me the easy one get through guaranteed playoff for the conference league it's all about smart boxing clever here we got very lucky last year with Balda we are consistently unlucky in the FBI Cup hopefully we get a bit of lucky here yeah. again because we do not want hacking absolutely yeah um, the <laughs> can yeah the end of an era, prof that begun in Talat Stadium. Karim Benzema is leaving Real Madrid. Three hundred fifty four goals. It all started in Talat. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see the money that they're looking at? Did you see the money that that man is gonna get to go and play football in the twilight of his career? I don't hold this against anyone. See this whole bullshit. Oh, go take the oil money. He's thirty four. They're offering him a hundred million euro to go and play in a shit league, to go and retire in the sun. How could you? It's a no-brainer. Come on. It's only if you're thirty and you can still do it in the Premier League. Then I'd be like, I'd Re- still even think about it. Let's be honest. If, like, do you know how much Cristiano Ronaldo's on officially? I went into the rabbit hole with his wages. Three point seven million euro a week. And apparently it's tax free. Three point seven million euro a week. And whatever about Messi, whatever one about Messi doing as well. I mean, he did just want to win a World Cup at his age. I mean, like he's nothing more to do. It's a lot of money. <laughs> it man. is a disgusting amount of money. Whew. And whatever your your moral opinions of. Uh, certain countries in the Middle East that might influence your opinion as well. I I don't I don't think I have enough in me to be able to hold those moral opinions because if I don't do that, then do I where do I stop the book? Like, do I meet is meet murder then all of a sudden and I won't follow Man City's progress in the Champions League because they've got oil money and Newcastle. Do you hope they fail? Like I. I just watched the game. It's it's not that deep with me. I don't really don't think it is. It's not that well, deep. Well, I'm not watching the game in Saudi Arabia. No, I'm not watching <laughs> Saudi Arabian Premier League. Let's no. be honest. I don't think so. Um, we have West Ham Fiorentina Prof. What have you got for us? Gary, just as you just get to this, as we are talking, ninety eighth minute, ninety eight. West minute. Ham have scored a ninetieth minute goal. <sighs> little bit, of this little bit, of that fucking you. All right, all right. Bubble, we'll, we'll, squeak we'll, a bubble. We'll keep an eye on that as we, as uh, we I think it's the software, good. but um, we have a couple of West Ham fans actually in the LMS group. We've got Martin, yeah, who uh, he wasn't able to get over to Prague because it was only like 6,000 fans that in or something. Is that what it was? Uh, 20,000 went over. It's kicking off in fucking Prague, but, that's uh, for sure. Oh yeah, sure. I went to the bookies earlier. I've already got my bed up there. I had over 4.5 garden chairs thrown. Oh, just the 4.5? Yeah. I had over 8 myself. <laughs> yeah, so... If anyone did travel to Bragg, give us a shout because it could be a potential interview there, couldn't oh, yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, hoops and hammers, Gare. Uh, Des Cahill is the West Ham fan, so he got over there, bleeding gahead. Hoops and hammers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so, but is isn't the West Ham fans are loving this, aren't they? Compare that to Spurs fans who don't seem to want to win a trophy. 
I don't get that at all. I saw Aston Villa I, fans I celebrating like nuts when they got into the Conference League. It's Europe. They've won a fucking European trophy. That's I love that. They've great history. Like, why would you not want to go and play in Europe? How is that above you and your team? I think that's what's wrong with Spurs. I think that's what a bit of a bastard of a club. Actually, Woody, once again, this fella's getting more now. He was saying that he was talking to some genuine sports fans and they were like, Levy built a stadium. We don't want it. Yeah, I love that. The stadium was grand. Didn't ask for it. We didn't ask for it. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't ask for it. Yeah, like you say, Villa fans delighted to qualify. Spurs turned their, well, not all of them, but a lot of what I've seen, they turned their noses up. How? How can you do it? Look at the crack and the fun and the love that you find and the new adventures going to Europe with another couple of hundred people that you love and you know and you're going to watch your football team. It's a brilliant thing. How could anyone turn their nose up at it? Winning things. That's what it's all about. Like, good luck telling the grandkids all the stories of how you finish fourth in the league. I'm sure you'll have them on tender hooks telling them those stories. It's about cup finals and winning trophies. Absolutely, yeah. Create memories. Brilliant, Prof. Excellent stuff once again. But it's up next, Prof. We've done 11s and predictions. Right, so I've talked carefully about this one and I think I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna rest some players, prof. I'm gonna rest some players, but it's still gonna be Pauls, Grace, Pico, and Cleary because That's full time by the way. West Ham won the conference league. West Ham have won the conference league, so Roma won it and then West Ham, so still big clubs, man. Big clubs. But we're gonna move on to Grace, Pico and Cleary. Three boys at the back, I just can't drop them. Cleary, don't underestimate how good of a passer Cleary is. I've said this plenty of times. He has a ping on him. A beautiful, beautiful pass. Uh, I'm going to go Cavo on the left again. Uh, Gary O'Neill and Pum. Uh, I'm going to go Gannon. Going to get minutes into the legs of the Rings End man. Ooh. Gannon on the right. And I'm going to go Burke, Kenny and Burt. Burt? Burt. Liam Burt. Huh? That's not the noise Burt and Ernie make. <laughs> but either way, I'm going to go Liam Burt to start because he's came on now. And I think it's a perfect time to give him minutes into the legs if... He is getting the all clear. and he, I mean, if you're coming on with 20 minutes at the end of a game, you must be somewhere near fitness. So I'm going to go Bort. I'm going to go Bort, Kenny and Bork. And then you've got Greener and Gaff on the bench and whoever else you want to bring off to, to steam right. steamroll UCD, hopefully. Yeah, I'm thinking a few changes here. Yeah, Defo Gannon. Finn is back as well. I'm thinking Gannon and Hor send it back. Just to get some minutes into yeah. the legs. Oh, lovely, yeah. Finn is back from suspension. So I'm going to keep him on the right. Cabo on the left. No, I'm gonna gonna bring Ferruja back into this. Ooh, prof. Ferruja against his old club. Uh scored no, sorry. So you got Gary O'Neill and Poom. Yeah, Tell still serving his three match suspension. Kenny Burt Burke. Yeah, Kenny Burt Burke. Yeah, I'll go with that. I like that three. I know, it's so it's it rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Kenny Burt Burke. I want to see Bord as a player. <laughs> we don't know much about him, man. I want to see him play, and let's see what happens here. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go We're for the Tompkins. We're Jack Byrne. That's incredible. Jane, give him a little, give him a little night off. A little rest. A little rest. A little night off. There you go, Jack. I want to enjoy. Have him on the bench. Spring him in case you need. Yeah, him. the bench is bench is loaded. I'm gonna go four 0 Tonkin. <laughs> go for a Tonk, prof. Goals, boys. I'm gonna say Gary O'Neill to get off the mark. Uh, Kenny. Brace and Bork with a thunder bastard, as they say. Well, I'm going to be more ambitious. I'm going to say a 5 0. Oh, the prof's gone for the Tonkin. Daily Mount tickets are out as you listen to this, prof. They've been snapped up. Not right now in real time, but in podcast time, they're going to be snapped up and you're not going to be able to get your hands on one. So as we speak, they're not out. 
as you listen to this now. I think they get it, girl. They're out and they're gone. (laughs) Aiden Marr said, someone think of the poor bastard following over since 2020 hasn't been the Daily Mount yet. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's mad. Good show. Prof with the hoop scene. Prof is getting, Prof is standing at the top of the stairs like your man Nolsey or or whatever his name was, the West Ham fella. And Prof is looking at all the other program editors this week and he's like, come and get it. Come (laughs) and get it. Smoke Central. Prof rates all the programs. Yeah, I got this idea from the Glenmuller Gazette in 1988, where they spent a few issues reviewing all the away programs and ranked them out of 100. So I have ranked the other nine in the Premier Division, and I've ranked them out of 10. I got along with them, I went through all of them, compared, do they have stats, do they have quizzes, how many articles do they have, how many ads do they have. So I've done a whole little stats table, and I've uh, compared them, and I've ranked them 1 to 10. Uh, no surprise I put us top but you can uh, see who I have uh, in, in the rest of the table mm. so the prof get that hoop yeah. scene it's only a fiver 64 yeah. pages of gold prof plus all, all the other good stuff Gary you got your Rory Gaffney interview you got your opposition watch you got your global green, green and white what about the gent who the got gent got this week give us the country the don't give us the team we'll leave them guessing the gent is off to Poland the gent is off to Poland yeah so you got your women's scene, you got your stats, you got all sorts. Um, There's literally no more to put in there. No. You can't actually think about anything else. It's everything is it's it's done. Program's finished. It's done. Well, on on that team, uh, the program fair is at the end of the month. It's not it used to be the last Sunday in May. But uh this time it's last Sunday in June. So it's on the twenty fifth on Pier Street. So I was in a bit of a program mood uh, for that article since the fair was coming soon. So and a big, big congrats to a friend of the show, Gar Brennan, and his lovely wife, who were married today. So, big, big congrats. Yeah, congrats, Gar. Excellent stuff, lads. So, many uh, happy returns to the uh, loved-up couple. So, so um, there's only one thing left to do, Gar, and that is our interview with uh, Joe Hanrahan and Keith Dignam. They played for UCD and Robbers in the 80s before uh, retiring and moving into the financial sector. So they had their education behind them. So fascinating story from their time playing for the two clubs and Man United in the 80s. Uh, quick apology for the sound uh, on Joe's end. Uh, I think it was his iPad he was using. Uh, it just, it just crackles at times when he speaks at length. Nothing we could do about it, unfortunately, but uh, really good one. So, fascinating yeah. stuff. Okay, so ahead of the Shamrock Garbers UCD game at Tata. Which is uh will be this week by the time people are hearing this. We have uh two men who played together at the college and they played for Shamrock Rovers as well, but at different times in the eighties. So we have Joe Hanrahan and Keith Dignam. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thanks, Carl. Thanks, Carl. I'll start with you, Keith. You played with uh St. Jo- St. Joseph's and Sally Noggin before accepting the football scholarship at UCD. You were uh, the first recipient of the scholarship. Um, UCD joined the league in 1979. Uh, yeah. What did the scholarship entail and what was it like to be at the club at that time? Um, it was um, it was a bit unusual in because it was the first, if you know what I mean. So I was uh, I was playing with Joey's. I played in Joey's all my life. All my family, my, my uncle coached me. My granddad used to work in the club. Like it was, there was lots of dignums in Joey's, and uh, I was uh, 
I was playing there and I, then I, I was doing my leaving and there was an ad in the back of the paper for a scholarship with UCD, UCD Soccer Scholarship, sponsored by American International Insurance Company, which is now AIG, but they didn't call themselves that at the time. And uh, I just applied for, you know, thinking, you know, should I have a go anyway? And I, I do remember, actually, I don't remember a lot from 30 or 40 years ago, but I do remember uh, I went to a trial match in Belfield in the old kind of Merville pitch, which was beside the old Belfield Park. And I knew a few fellas from Home Farm and others that were there. You know, we kind of knew each other from playing all the way up in schoolboy. And uh, I remember I played the, the, the first half and I was taken off at half time and then put on to play centre forward, which was definitely not my position. And the doc had Giles as his kind of advisor, Johnny Giles as his advisor. And it was only afterwards that I found out that uh, Giles had said to the doc, he said, yeah, man, you can give him a scholarship and just take him off and put him up front and let someone else play and we'll have a look at them. Uh, but I only found that out afterwards. And then I, I do remember going into the dressing room afterwards and I'd actually been kind of promoted in Joey's up to the Leinster Senior League team, even though I was only 17. And I was supposed to, I, I, I had to turn up on training or for a match on Sunday. And I went into Joey's and I said, sorry, lads, I've just got a scholarship for UCD, so I'm, I'm, I'm signing for UCD tomorrow. Now, they are very good. There's fellas like Tommy Talent and Joey, George Forsyth. Uh, from Joey's and they were like they all thought that was great you know so there was no kind of hassle or anything like that um, but I do remember that particular day and that particular weekend you know just you know going into the dressing room after or saying to the doc this is not, I have a match tomorrow for Joey's he says we're going to sign you we want you to be a scholarship player for us um, so it was as I said there's not that many things I remember that long ago but that's one of the things I do remember yeah, then you became a regular in the UCD team. You featured in the program there recently. Actually, you were described as a, a stylish midfielder. But uh, Joe, you came in in uh, 1991. Uh, it was dangerous from Wolves, but you yeah, decided to go with UCD. Yeah, uh, so I had played school by soccer in Limerick with uh, Vericor St. Clements, and we won the Evans Cup, which is the under-15 National Schoolboy Championship. We're the only Limerick team ever to win uh, a schoolboy national championship, actually. Uh, we then won the Johnny Giles Cup, which was the under-17 equivalent. Um, and I had played on the international team at 15, 16s, and I was on the under-17 international team. Um, there was a bit of interest. I went over to Wolves on the um, Christmas before my leave insert in 81, um, and they offered me a contract. My dad met the chief scout actually in Athlone and they offered me a contract. And for uh, we, we played Galway in an under-17 international at Terryland Park and I scored in the game and the doc was at it. And afterwards I met him as well and he offered me the scholarship. Um, and really I had a decision to make at that stage, you know, go to Wolves or, 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 or Subit getting results in the Leaving Cert to do a BCom and UCD. And you know, I decided to go down the road of education first and, and football second. And um, the scholarship was ideal for me, to be honest with you, you know, because it combined academics and football and and, and, and I like that. Um, 
And uh, so, yeah, so I became the fourth recipient after, I think I'm right, Keith, Ken O'Doherty and Aidan Reynolds were yeah, two and yeah, three. Um, I was, yeah. Aiden, yeah, I was, I was fourth. I, I got a, a scholarship uh, sponsored by McVitie's United Biscuits. And to this day, I still buy them in the, in the supermarket. <laughs> so I think I probably paid back my scholarship a, few, a good few times over at this stage. So, uh, so it was great. Yeah. So I joined um, the, the scholarship at the time was for me, it was great because it, I had my fees, books, digs, everything paid for. Um, my, my brother, Peter, was a subsequent recipient of the scholarship. I'm not sure what number he was, but, but he got one very similar to me about um, three or four years later. So, uh, yeah. So scholarship has been good to our house. That's for sure. Uh, I think you were lucky, Joe, because you were a, uh the first scholarship player who uh, was from the country, not from Dublin. And the fellas from the country That's got right. a, a more valuable scholarship than the Dublin fellas. They, they, they did, I suppose, yeah. We, well, insofar as, you know, the fees and the books, the digs was a big thing, Keith. I mean, obviously, That's now we I mean, see digs, kids yeah, like in college. Yeah, well, I had, I had digs paid for in, in Dublin, Um and you know that was that was absolutely fantastic. I mean, my intention would have probably been to go have gone locally to university in Limerick and maybe have played locally with with, with Limerick. But then when the UCD opportunity came up, and and I was lucky in that even before I got the results of my leave insert, Keith, I think you were probably on this as well. We went on UCD used to go on these very exotic tours, Carol. And so I was invited by the doc to go on a trip to um, Indonesia, Singapore, Malaysia, and Hong Kong. Yeah, and I can tell you, as a seventeen-year-old, that, that was pretty. That was pretty exciting. I can tell you, as a seventeen-year-old, yeah. and um, you know, it was it was also great. I think because at my age, I was still playing with fellas of my own age, and you know, it was it was more still. There was still a fun element to it. You know, I mean, I subsequently yeah. found out when I went full time. The fun goes out of it when it's your job, you know. It's, it be, it takes on an entirely different dynamic when it's your when it's your job, you know. So I I loved it. I loved it. I have to say, it was uh, three of the great well, best I, I years I ever right, had. I think, Probably uh, enjoyed it too. I think uh, a lot of it. To be honest, it's all it was all about education, you know. In in the same way as uh, as you spoke about when we went to Malaysia and Indonesia, Singapore and Hong Kong, the year before that. You weren't on this because you hadn't joined uh, UCD by this time. We had went on a tour to Africa, to Kenya and Sudan. And I'm not sure, this is a long time ago, Carl, so I'm not sure you're even aware of this, but uh, we spent two weeks in Kenya and or Kenya. And we didn't do that well, in fact, because the we actually couldn't cope with the altitude was the big thing. Uh so we lost a good few games. But anyway, we went to uh, the Sudan for the last week of the three-week tour. And the doc, as he was prone to do, sold us to the Sudanese FA as the leading Irish uh, soccer club in, in Ireland. <laughs> and so we ended up playing this game. It was our first game. And you know, I hope you don't mind me, Carl, rambling on on this one. I think it's, it's, worth, it's worth it because it's, it was phenomenal stuff. So anyway, we ended up in this uh, game against the selection of the top teams in Sudan. So this is UCD, and we're, like I was 18 at the time, and there's a few of us who are only, I think, I'm not sure if Aiden was on that tour. There was a few of us, the Cowies were on it. Um, anyway, we ended up in this 
stadium in Khartoum with about 25,000 people at it. And we we actually scored a goal and the f- crowd went absolutely bananas. And then there was a corner against us about five minutes before half time. And next thing, all the rocks and the stones started coming on. And the the referee, who was a FIFA registered uh, ref, called us all to the sideline and you know got the Sudanese FA and said, "Listen, you have to. I'm going to abandon the game unless you stop all of this." So there was an announcement over the the Tannoy system or whatever it was, and we started the game again. And next thing, on uh, this is no like no lie, this fella ran out from the crowd, ran up to the referee, took off his turban headbutted the referee, put it back on, and then ran back into the crowd. And the ref was Polak's, like he was knocked out and there was blood streaming from him. He was carried off. Next thing, there was a substitute ref. The doc was trying to, you know, trying to <laughs> solve the situation. Uh, the ref was carried off. He was he was actually being stoned on the way off the pitch. Uh, and then we... Um, we continued the game, and next thing, the stones, where there was a corner against again, the stones started coming again. And literally, this was, you know, in Khartoum, in a stadium. There was no barriers. There was no cages. There was no nothing. Like, anyone could have ran on if they wanted to. And the ref, the second ref, stopped the game. The riot squad were called, and we were all in the center circle, and the stones were only kind of trickling up to us. And... Um, the riot squad were called, and if you remember the old stadiums where you'd you used to go up the stairs into the terraces, and then you'd you know go either up or down. It was, once the riot squad were called, it was like a vacuum, like it was sucked out all the crowd. They all just ran off, um, and next thing we were there in a in a stadium, an empty stadium in Khartoum for the next sixty minutes while the security tried to figure out how the, they're going to get us out of this place. <laughs> and again, apologies if I'm rambling on, but I think it's uh, uh, interesting. Um, then what happened was we went in and we got our gear and the police had organized two coaches and one was a decoy and the other was us. So we all got into one coach and we lay down on the floor and put all our bags on top of us and lay down on the floor and then the police let the other coach go out and they stoned the other coach because the crowd thought that we were in that uh, coach. And then we went out the other direction. <laughs> and we didn't, we were due to play another game. We didn't play. We were under armed guard for the rest of the time in Sudan because th- those times you had to wait for your flight. You couldn't just grab a flight. We had a scheduled flight for three days time or something or four days time. And we had to uh, wait for that. But that was that's that's what I meant about education. It was an education for all of us. Yeah, I've never heard that story. That's that's, uh, that's crazy. Uh, but in terms of uh, domestically, there was an arrangement with Vancouver Whitecaps that kept you keep keep uh, ticking over for a couple of years. Uh, Dermot Keady came in, and he would have brought in players like Alan O'Neill and Robbie Gaffney, albeit he left mid-season. But uh, that leads us up to the FEI Cup win, the shock win over Robbers in 1984. And you both have a hand in this with uh, Joe's Maisie dribble 
and keeps <laughs> your 95th minute uh, free kick sets up. Well, Joe, talk about the, the first game and then I suppose the, the replay that sees you lift the cup. Yeah, but even even going back before that, Carl, and I was only talking to somebody about this uh, about a week ago, um, in fact. Um, Keith, I think you'll remember because this was your shining glory, I think. We were 3-1 down against Sligo away yeah. in the cup in the in that competition with about 10 minutes to go. And Keith, Keith I think you scored the two goals to equalise to bring us back to 3-all, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. I think you got the two of them, uh, I definitely got the one. This is where the memory starts yeah. lapsing. I definitely got the yeah, one. Yeah, when you're like me, we're both we're both getting on a bit now. But we we drew the match, Carl, uh, when Sligo Rovers were in fact the uh, incumbent FAI Cup uh, holders, and so we won the game. We 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 brought them back to Belfield and we beat them five nil. I think the following Wednesday yeah, or yeah. Thursday. Uh, we then went down to beat Waterford and then got to the final. The first day, by the way, was. You know, Dalymont Park, dusty, dusty pitch, very nice day, but you know, quality football was poor enough, I thought, actually, on the yeah, day. Cool. We had played Rovers, Carl. We had played Rovers about 10 days before the cup final in the league game, and they beat us, I think, two nothing at Belfield. And yeah, you know, they were an exceptional side. They were the best, they were the best League of Ireland side I certainly ever played against. Um yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we went into that game as, as you know, rank outsiders to win the, 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 tie, the tie. We drew it all, but then went back the following Wednesday or Thursday in Talca Park, different pitch, obviously. And I don't know, we were inspired. Um, you know, Theo Dunn, who I'll never forget before the game, actually, Keith, you may not recall this, but Theo Dunn, who was the manager of the team, brought his FAI Cup medal that he won with Shelburne into the dressing room. Mm. And he put it out and showed it to everybody. And it kind of it said to everybody, do you want to win one of these? And I certainly felt a bit inspired by it. That's for sure. Um, I think we were all inspired on the night. And, you know, obviously um, the first goal to this day, Darren McKeeley will tell me that I was offside and I was waiting for him to clobber me, but he never caught me. And I stuck it in the corner and, you know, you know, possibly against the run of play, maybe a little bit. We were one up. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Ken O'Darty could have made it. Ken could have made it. Yeah, yeah, we were. Ken O'Darty could have made it 2 0, but I think he missed a penalty, if I remember. And yeah. and then Jacko McDonough scored for, for Rovers. And then it, it you know, look, we weren't by 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 any means overwhelmed by Rovers in that game. I think we were, as I said, I think we were inspired on the evening. Keith, I think it was a free kick from you, wasn't it? Or was it a corner kick? No, it was a free in the kick. The night, yeah, last just, minute, just inside their half. And to be honest, it was it was only a case of just putting it up in the air because, as as Joe would know, if if yeah. Ken already wants to head a ball and wants to get there <laughs> in front of yeah. anyone else, he will definitely do get it. there in front of anyone else. So <laughs> it was yeah. his determination on on on. On that night, and generally in games, was just absolutely yeah, was phenomenal. Like all fantastic. you had to do was pull it up, and you kind of knew that. And I think he was, like he had, he was all over Jacko McDonough. You know, like he was. Yeah. Jacko was trying to defend the header, and there was absolutely no way that Ken was not going to win that header. Like he, yeah. he was so determined. Like he was a great. He is a great guy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Was it was. And and it was a great time to score because there really wasn't any time for Rovers to come back and and try yeah. and retrieve it. Yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. It, it was it was done, you know. So we've yeah. we've dined out in it, Carol, for many years since. Yeah. I think we're probably fed up of it now at this stage. To be to, to yeah. be brutally honest with you, 
<laughs> yeah, the yeah. celebrations after must have been a great college uh, piss up. And you uh, nearly lost the cup, I believe. Uh, the vice chairman, Tony Dunn's car got robbed and uh, you got the cup back, but uh, not the car. <laughs> I wasn't aware of that, yeah. But anything could have gone on. We all yeah. we all went back to the Montrose Hotel. Yeah. And you're right, Carl. Yeah. There was there was one almighty piss up, that's for sure. Yeah. It was fantastic. Montrose, in fact, was yeah. a great uh, place for us to go after games. Uh, absolutely. Not 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 only that, Carl, but I, I distinctly recall, Keith, we were we were invited as guests of Brian Lenehan into Dal Aaron subsequently. Um yeah. And we were we were lunched in Dal Aaron, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, of course, David Andrews, the, the subsequent minister for foreign affairs, was the president of the club as well. So we were we were politically well connected, anyway, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was fantastic. I mean, it was a one-off thing. Like I was, it was totally against. Like like Rovers were by far a better team than we were. Yeah. But just yeah. on the day, you know, yeah. we managed in Daily Man to keep it to nil all, and then in Talca. I think we probably had a little bit more confidence and, uh, you know, just played it. And, you know, that's that's what happens in, in sport and in yeah. football matches. Yeah, yeah, Joe, that um, capped off good year for you. You were a PFEI Young Player of the Year. And then, of course, you draw everything in the Cup Winners' Cup and everything go on to win uh, that competition. Um, I suppose, what's your memories of the two legs where you, you keep it to? Keep it to one nil. Yeah, I think I, I, you know, to be fair, I think I think in the first leg of Talca, which was a nil all draw, um, you know, it really was ten men behind the ball. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, we were we didn't have much possession. We certainly didn't have any chances that I can recall on the night in Talca Park. Um, we subsequently travelled to Merseyside to play at Goodison against them. Um. You know they were a quality side. They were, they in fact, you know that year they won the English League um, at the old First Division, having won the FA, having won the FA Cup. Um, and we know, you know, from history that some of the players who played with them really were were excellent players. Um, and I, I subsequently played against a few of them afterwards when I was in in at, at games at Manchester United. But um, in, in at Goodison, we did have one chance. I know that it's attributed to me, but it wasn't me. It was I'm not sure who it was, Keith, but somebody hit the crossbar at the end and yeah, near the end. And um, again. Was it yeah, and and you know, we were we were we were beaten one nil. Graham Sharp scored with a with a, a typical header. Um, you know, I, they, they found it difficult to break us down. I mean, in fairness, we were highly committed and well organized. Um you know, I think in the same season, if memory serves me correctly, Drogheda had played Spurs and it, they, they were beaten something like 14-0 on, on aggregate. So, you know, it was it was a really impressive performance by us yeah. without, you know, without ever really threatening to win the tie on the two legs, you know. Yeah. I think I think it's fair to say, Joe, um, that we really did, I think, benefit from the likes of Paddy Dunning and... And Alan O'Neill and their experience yeah. in that time. Yeah. Because I remember in the first leg against Talca, I was marking Peter Reed, and I just all I did was chase him around for the whole game. And <laughs> um, I'd yeah. say I probably touched the ball ten times, if at all, you yeah. know, if that much. 
But I do remember, I'm not sure if you remember, Joe, um, when we went to Goodison, so we were nil all going into Goodison and I remember Paddy in the dressing room at halftime saying, okay, it was it was 1-0, we we're only 1-0 down. Right. And the away goals counted. And Paddy saying, okay, let, let's just keep it tight, let's keep it tight, like don't, you know, go mad. And then he said, when there's 20 minutes to go, we'll just, Theo, will you let us know when there's 20 minutes left and then we can start playing because, yeah. you know, at least we've kept it to 1-0 at that time and then we can have a chance to give it a go. And I do remember uh, within the last 20 minutes, we actually started playing football then. Do you know what I mean? We yeah. weren't as... We weren't as... As, as, as defensive and as, yeah, we were, as restrained. We started yeah. playing and passing it to each other. And I do I remember that the, the Everton fellas couldn't believe it. Like, they were going, what's going on here? You know, they've yeah. just played yeah. two hours yeah. of football with against our, not two hours, an hour, well, nearly two hours, yeah, of football against us. And we didn't play football at all because we were defending. And then suddenly we started passing to each Knock, other. Knocking it about a bit, yeah. And, yeah. Out. and they, they were so surprised. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The funny thing about that whole tournament, or that whole competition, Carl, is that in aggregate, we were beaten by one goal. That was the closest that any team, including Bayern Munich, came against them. You know, they 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 won the final, I think, four one, and they beat Bayern Munich over two legs by at least two goals in in aggregate. So, you know, our our performance was 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 fantastic in the way that we you know we had to set up defensively. You know, otherwise we could have been on a real hiding, but. Um, you know, it was it was a great it was a great experience. And I agree with you, Keith. The fact that we had people like Robbie Gaffney and Al O'Neill and Paddy Dunning yeah. was you know That's, was was invaluable yeah. to us, really invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There was a quote here from uh, their manager Harold Kendall. He later said that uh, Bayern Munich's defense could hardly be any better than UCD. So that was quite the compliment. But uh, yeah. in nineteen eighty five, you were both on the move. Keith to Shelburne and Joe to uh, Manchester United. Keith, uh, your season with Shelburne ends in disappointment with uh, Shells being relegated. Yeah. Uh, Joe, obviously, quite the glamour move for yourself going out to Old Trafford. So what was yeah. the experience of, uh, let's say, the first year before we move into the, the second year? Yeah. So so I went over I went over in July 84. July 85, um, you know, United, the doc would have much preferred a straight deal where they'd come in and, and buy me. Billy Behan, um, who was mentioned in Kevin Moore's documentary last night on TV, Billy Behan also scouted me and and asked me, would I would ask the doc, would I go over? I think the doc wanted a deal straight away, just a straight transfer. Uh, but United wanted to. A look first, if you want, if you want to call it that. So I went over in '85 in July. Um, I was put into digs with Mark Hughes and Graham Hogg, who Mark had just won the FA Cup with United in '85. We were all around the same age. I had played against Mark Hughes actually at underage level at, at schoolboy, um, and so that was a that was a good way for me to go over on trial. I played. I was over there for about two or three weeks, and I was lucky enough in that I actually scored in all the games I played in. I had done a lot of fitness work before I went over and I was probably a little bit sharper than a lot of them because they were coming back to pre-season at that stage. Um, Ron Atkinson then asked me, you know, you know, what's your status? Who do we deal with? So I said, look, you need to talk to the doc. They did a deal. Um, I was put back into the same digs. So I, I spent my first year in digs with um, Mr. and Mrs. K, 
David Beckham subsequently stayed in the house, actually. Um, I mean, it was, you know, look, it was, it was, it was like Hollywood, really, you know, but, but less so than you see nowadays. I mean, this was pre Bosman, pre the kind of coverage that you see on this wall to wall coverage of football matters now that you see. Um, but it was still Manchester United, and they were a team I had supported since I was a kid. So it was fantastic. I, I started in the reserves. Um, it's interesting, Carl, the transition from sort of part-time to full-time is a bit difficult. You know, there, there are two elements to it. There's the physical transition, the fact that your body's been put under more pressure because you're training every day and, and, and so on. Um, and then there is the, the other element of it, which is, you know, getting used to the idea that this isn't fun anymore. This isn't a sport. This is now your job and you've got to get trying to get in the first team and so on. So it was an interesting first 12 months. I enjoyed it. Played in, you know, most of the grounds around the north of England because we were in the Central League. Um, played with, you know, played played with the, trained with the first team every day, really, with, you know, Paul McGrath and Kevin and Frank Stapleton and Brian Robson and and, and people like that, Gary Bailey. Um, a, great, a great bunch of fellas, really good bunch of fellas. The club at the time, you know, with Ron Atkins, it was there was probably a degree of indiscipline, I would have said. You know, Liverpool were winning everything. Um, you know, after the first year, I remember coming home in the summer and I spent the whole summer in Limerick and I, I was just doing Pilates and aerobics and all that. And I went back at the start of the second year. We had a full-blown game. Reserves played the first team. We beat them 4 nothing, or 4-3, should I say, and I scored the four goals. And I was brought on tour to Amsterdam to a, a pre-season tournament with the first team. Um, I got injured. And again, you, it's like snakes and ladders. You get injured, you go back down again, back into the pack. Um, I found it hard to break into the first team. Um, you know, there were a lot of competition. Norman Whiteside, Mark Hughes, they bought Peter Davenport, Terry Gibson, Frank Stableton was there. You know, there was a there was a lot of lot of um lot of traffic in front of me, as it were. But um Ron was fired then in I think around October time, I think. Um Fergie came in. Uh it was like a, a an unbelievable change from you know the kind of I suppose there were very relaxed atmosphere on the club that you had with, with Ron. Um, I don't know if you were watching, Alex came the, in uh, it was... watching the Kevin Moran documentary last night. I, I watched it last yeah. night. Yeah, yeah. It brought back a lot of memories and, and I recognised a lot of the faces and the people because I was there, obviously, at the time uh, on Fergie's first day. But And Gordon Strachan stood beside me in the line and he said, wait, you see the changes about to come along. He had, he had actually left Aberdeen to, to join United to get away from Fergie. And and his assistant Archie Knox. So, so you know, I mean, to be honest, your Fergie just brought in a huge level of discipline. And um, I was only twenty two at the time. So, um, you know, again, I would have said I had a an okay season. I wouldn't say I was. I was. You know, obviously, um, I don't think I'd reached my peak in terms of of what I felt I could do. Injuries obviously can be a a, a, a cruel uh, thing to happen during the course of a season. Um, I spent a little bit of time, believe it or not, in Norway at the end of it. Bill Folks, one of the Busby babes, asked me when I go to Norway for the summer. I, had, I, I survived for three weeks in the Arctic and I, I came home, which didn't endear me to Fergie too much. So, yeah, so look, I mean, it was a great experience. You know, uh, it, it, you know, a little bit different perhaps if it was today where, you know, this was pre Bosman. Um, you know, obviously everything in 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 uh, nowadays is geared towards the player. In in those days, the power was very much with the club. Um, 
you know, I had a row with him. It's well documented. I came home. He wouldn't let me play. And in fairness to Louis Kilcoyne and Dermot Keeley, they both rang me and said, look, if we could sort something out, would you play with Rovers? And I said, I'd be delighted to play with Rovers. And that's how I came to play with Shamrock Rovers in, in 87, 88, for just for one season. We'll come back to the, the two friendlies in a moment. But uh, Keith, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you had one season with Rovers, 86, 87, linking up with yeah. Dermot Keeley again. Uh, you scored twice in your debut, actually. 3-2 league yeah. up win over Limerick. Uh, what do you remember coming into Milltown? Oh, I, re- I remember um, because because I would have known Dermot from the time he was at UCD, you know, managing UCD, and then Paddy Dunning, who was his assistant in Rovers, uh, who I played with in UCD. So I kind of knew them well, and uh, uh, so I remember going. I met them on the Thursday, agreed to sign. It was all very simple stuff. Like I w- I wasn't uh, of uh, Joe's talent, like I was a bit of a kind of a journeyman type player. Um, yeah, I think you're underestimating yourself there, Keith. <laughs> um, so it was kind of easy enough. I just said, they said, listen, I had a terrible year with Shells, uh, injuries and everything. It just didn't work out at all. And they said, will you come? Liam O'Brien had just gone on to United and they needed someone to be a backup for uh, the midfield. So they like it was all up front. They they said you know you're not going to be a regular starter, you know all that stuff. And they knew I think they knew me personally, and they knew I was a more like a team player, if you know what I mean, rather than you know looking to think. So I said, listen, lads, I'd be delighted to play with Rovers. You know, like they're a great team. They're a football yeah. team. I love playing football. Like I was the thing I regret about when I played football was the, uh, when I played was the state of the pitches versus the where they are now if the st- if the pitches were as good then as they are now I would have enjoyed it so much more um I used to love playing you're here yeah yeah I used to love playing in Milltown and I loved playing with Pat Byrne and Paul Doolan and Mick Neville and all the lads Harry Kenny all those because all we did was play football like it was it was so enjoyable. It was probably the most enjoyable season I've ever had because we just played football all the time. Um, yeah. and, and on top of that, you know, they were great players that I was playing with, yeah. much better yeah. than I was. Yeah. Um, and we, again, I think Dermot kind of knew I was a team player. I'd, I kind of fitted into the dressing room. Myself and Brennan Murphy joined and we fitted in kind of fairly seamlessly. You know, there was no... You know, we weren't big egos. We just, you know, got on with what we needed to do. We did what we were asked of us, you know. But I have to say it was probably from a footballing perspective. Like, I really enjoyed, obviously, all my time in UCD because all my friends and all, you know, like, I still have long-standing friends from UCD. Uh, and even the, 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 the fellas like Paddy and Robbie and Gaffney and Robbie Lawler and Alan O'Neill and all that from UCD. And plus Jim McKay, Mark Moore and all those fellas. But my, from a footballing perspective, it was the most enjoyable season I've ever had playing football. Yeah. I have a, have a stat here, actually. Like I say, you scored a brace on your debut, uh, and that was 37 years ago. And only one Roberts player since then has scored two goals on his competitive debut. And it's a relatively unknown fella. A 17-year-old called Shane Haney in a 2015 Leinster Senior Cup tie in at Lone. So he's the only man to do that since for Robert scored twice in his debut. So there's yeah. an interesting one for you. 
Yeah, I remember uh, on, on that. I just I remember. So I I I trained on the Saturday before the match, and I remember Alex Ludzik was playing in goal for Limerick, and yeah. we had a free kick outside the box on the right hand side. Pat Byrne, who would normally take the the, the kicks, the free kicks, and Pat and myself were standing over the ball, and I just politely said to Pat, listen, Pat, would you mind if I have a go? And <laughs> he said, uh, yeah, yeah, no, go for it, yeah. Uh, and I just kind of, a little, it was actually not a great shot, but it was enough to kind of get around the wall into the into the goal. But it was it was Pat who, who would normally take them, would have taken them, and he, and he just said, oh, yeah, no, have a go yourself, yeah. Surprised the, the free kick specialist let you have that one now. It was free kicks like Penos <laughs> as was the catchphrase for Pat. Uh, so yeah. this uh, he was a two, great United, two United friendly so um, yeah. they had first met in uh, August 1986 the Shea Brennan testimonial at Milltown uh, yeah. Ron Atkinson was still manager so Joe you were a late sub in that one so then like you say yeah. first he takes over and then he yeah. comes back for a revenge mission in March and um, we've got seven Irishmen in the squad for this friendly, including Paul McGrath, Liam Bryan, Liam O'Brien, who had just left Rovers. Yeah. Joe, again, you're involved. So now this means that Joe and Keith are on opposing sides. So what's your memory <laughs> of this, uh, Joe? Yeah, I'll just give you the 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 the, the sort of the two. Um, I actually, Keith, I actually scored my debut for Rovers as well, believe it or not, uh, in oh, Tolkien Park against Derry City. And I actually... Jacko McDonough was booting me up the arse for the whole of the game. He was, uh, Jacko was playing centre back for Derry City that day. It was, um, I played up front with Noel Larkin actually. Um, and my first goal, my first senior goal was actually against Shamrock Rovers for UCD in a 7 3 defeat at in the League Cup at Milton, which was the best pitch in Ireland. And a great pity that I agree with you, Keith. I think the, um, the pitches and some of the, some of the standards back then were pretty poor i'm glad to see they're all improving dramatically these days but going back to that carl the the, the friendlies the first one ron said to me because we were in the burlington and ron asked me what are these like i'll never forget it and i said i said look i said they're a, they're a great side i said you know they're, they're footballing side uh the 86 friendly they included one or two outside guys i think mick bennett may have played the waterford center forward yeah who subsequently went to belgium um, but I mean, you know, I explained to him that you know they were a very good side, but but then you're sort of saying, but like, but this is Manchester United, you know, and they're part time and, and we're full time and and all that kind of stuff. And Rovers won the game comfortably the first game. Um, then obviously he was gone in October '86. Fergie came in, and it was almost an identical situation. We came across to Dublin. Um, Fergie again asked me. What are these like? And he had, he had obviously had a, a some kind of a dossier in the previous game. Um, interestingly, when we were beaten the first time, we got back on the flight to go back to Manchester, straight back to the training ground, and he ran the arse office for he, Big Ron did, which was not his his way, by the way, but he did because he figured that if he hadn't run during the game, he could run now. Um, Fergie Fergie had his full squad over. I told him that, you know, you'd better treat Rovers with respect, that they were, you know, they'd won three doubles. They were a really good footballing side. And honestly, Rovers were full value for their win. I don't, and, and I say that quite honestly, they were, again, I think the game was 1-0. Was it, Carl, was it 1-0 in that game as well? 
the first game one? was two nil. The second one was two one. Two one, right? Okay, and um, you know, all all I'd say is that you know, Rovers were full value for both of those. To be to be honest with you, and um, you know, again, <laughs> following, we were back on the plane, and I'll tell you, if ran if Ron ran us, you should see what Fergie did to us. <laughs> And Archie Knox, he wasn't he wasn't happy at all. I can tell you after it, but you know, as I said earlier on, certainly that Rovers team with Jody Byrne and Harry Kenny and Dermot and you know uh, John Cody, who subsequently played with me at Derry City, and Pat Byrne was ex at McNeville. You know that was that was a really really exceptional team. It was exceptional. Still to my to my and I know Rovers are going for four in a row now, when we've seen some great Dundalk teams over the years. But that still, for me, is the best League of Ireland side I've ever seen. Yeah, Keats, what's your memory of of, of beating Man United that day? Um, of that game itself, I'd say I remember it's actually similar to uh, when we played Everton. Like I chased yeah. Peter Reid around the pitch against Everton, and then I chased Brian Robson around the pitch against United. <laughs> um, he can run, Keith. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, so. I, like it was a great experience, a great occasion, but again, my job was to try and kind of keep him, at, you know, out of the picture, you know. So that's what I did. I just chased him around most of the night, um, got in the ball a few times, but not as much. Um, but it was great, you know. We won. Um, I, I, another <laughs> a bit of a story, which is uh, not football related. I remember you did, you obviously Joe didn't fly home immediately after the flight because we went out celebrating after the game and yeah. I remember we went to Leeson Street and Gary Bailey was there oh, I see and, right okay and I remember yeah. I, 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 I could see him there and he was you know having a good time whatever so I went up to him and as if you know he didn't know me from Adam so I went up and yeah. said are you Gary Bailey yeah plays with United said, oh yeah 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 you know, thing. I said, "Were you playing tonight?" And he said, "Oh yeah, we were playing a game against a local team here." I said, "How'd you get on?" <laughs> <laughs> he said, "We're beating two one." I said, "Oh, geez, that's terrible." You know, <laughs> and he had the flu. Like I was taking the complete piss out of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, brilliant, <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, but uh, no, it was uh, as I said, great, a great, uh, a great side. But Fergie was obviously struggling a little bit at that stage. He didn't know he didn't know his arse from his elbow really at the club for the first few months that I could see. Anyway, now obviously he got it right eventually. It took him a few years, but he got it right. Um, funny enough, actually, Carl, uh, I think Liam O'Brien probably played in the first game for Rovers in the first match, the one nil. And then came over to Manchester United and uh, he shared the digs with me for a little while. He was married. So his wife, Terry, came over subsequently and they got a house in Manchester. And um, But Liam Liam actually made the transition very easily, very, much easier, m- much more easily than I did, I would say. And um, again, you know, when you see what happened with Liam, who had, who had been playing with Rovers and then just you know, slotted into the Manchester United team rather seamlessly, as I said, when he came over. That was the kind of quality that Rovers had at the time. You know, they were... I mean, I would have said that any one of those players playing for Shamrock Rovers would have made very good professionals in England at any stage. At any stage. And I know there was lots of interest in, 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 in when Dermot played with Dundalk. There was interest in Celtic signing him, if I'm not mistaken, at some stage. So, um, you know, every one of them could have could have been top class professionals in England no doubt in my mind 
So in terms of robbers, you kind of just miss each other because, uh, Keith, you're there at the end of 1987 and you have everything with the sale of Glenmalure Park and mm, that entire yeah. controversy. And then, Joe, you come in the following season when you have the Talca Park boycott, which is a very turbulent year for the club. Um, I suppose for you, Keith, what do you remember about that time uh, with everything surrounding Milltown and then you end up leaving the club? Yeah, I mean, what happened with me was at the end of the previous season, I was uh, I was working probably for about six years by that time uh, in a crowd which is now called Accenture. And I was under a lot of pressure uh, from people in work about the amount of time that I was devoting to work rather than football. And I had to do... a, a a reasonable amount of traveling and so it was just it got to the point where I just couldn't uh, I couldn't do both I couldn't commit to train and be in Dublin all the time so I just sat down with her and said listen you know I, I, I have to concentrate my work I have to concentrate my I'm, I'm, I'm never going to make money I'm never going to make a living out of playing football but I might make a living out of working uh, <laughs> so uh, I I basically said, listen, Dermot, I have to give up playing football. I've got to play with Pegasus and Lens Senior League and just, you know, enjoy that. And I have to concentrate on my professional career, which that's what I did. I think I was 27 at the time, uh, a bit earlier than I would have liked to. But, you know, it was it was the right decision at the time. You know, I just needed to, as I said, I was never going to make a living out of football. I, I, I could make a decent living and out of my yeah. professional career, you know. So that season, that 87-88, while you were leaving the League of Ireland, uh, Joe, you had that one year at Rovers where you get five goals. But uh, just tell that story that you told me before. It's a, it's a good one where Rovers, having reached the last four FEI Cup finals and won the last three, oh, yeah. <laughs> he's uh, first division UCD, which includes your, your brother on the team. Yeah, well, yeah, it was it was a turbulent year. There's no doubt about that. I mean, I you know obviously came back thinking that I was heading to Milltown, but of course I ended up in Tolka Park <laughs> with Cram, and um, you know it was a turbulent year. I didn't realize the strain it put on Dermot Keeley in particular. Actually, um, I, I thought Dermot was totally impervious to that kind of thing, but he wasn't. Um, but anyway, it affected everybody at the club, and I think they were probably you know having won four league titles were probably getting a bit stale at that stage anyway. Um, but we did we did meet UCD in the cup. And funny enough, my brother Peter, as I said, had gotten a scholarship in UCD. I hadn't seen Peter playing football for quite a number of years, and I'm four years older than him. So, you know, he would have only been a kid when when I would have seen him prior to that. Um so <laughs> as it turns out, I was working, I was back in Dublin, I was working, obviously playing League of Ireland with, with Shamrock Rovers. And Peter asked me for a lift to the match. And I said, yeah, look, no problems at all. I said, I'll give you a lift. So I brought him to the game. And I distinctly recall driving down Pier Street in the car and saying to him, look, I said, as a gesture, I said, I'll, when we win the game, I'll share half my bonus with you. <laughs> of course, he had other ideas. They went out and beat us 2-1, if I recall correctly. And uh, it was the first time I saw Peter playing at a senior level. And... Um, he was brilliant. He was absolutely fantastic on the night. And indeed, the whole UCD team were fantastic. And, you know, if ever there was a, a, a signal to me that this was a Rovers team in decline, that was probably it. 
Um, you know, they were they were they were really excellent. Um, I'm not going to tell you lies, Carl. I, you know, you know, there was a little part of me that was kind of going, you know, fair play to ECD because, you know, in my in my memory of my career playing back, I suppose my affiliation probably is more with UCD than probably any other club. To be truthful with you, because um, you know the four years I spent with the club were were just formative for me, really, and 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 they were such a, a seismic change in my life, really, from you know living and growing up in Limerick to suddenly coming to Dublin, going to university in Dublin, and and mixing with with with, with the lads uh, who, again, I have friends who are lifelong friends of mine as well. So you know, it was it was it was it was terrific. Um, so. Yeah, so Peter likes to remind me of that, by the way, Carl. Every now and again, you know, he, you know, particularly on my backswing, you know, he likes to remind me of that when I'm playing golf with him. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean to uh, gloss over the rest of your career now, Joe. I'm just conscious of time, but you spent you're yeah. at Limerick and Derry, Dundalk, where you win a league title, Bowes, Monaghan. But like you say, you had the falling out with um, with Fergie. But you had your education behind you, so you're able to tell them to go and do one, uh, as it were. But you work yeah. now in the financial sector in Dublin. Uh, Keith, are you in a similar field? I am. Um, to be, to, I've, I've been really, really lucky in the last uh, good few years. I've been working for myself for the last twenty years in financial services. Um, uh, not by not by design, more by accident. I was actually involved in a business in. 2003 and uh, it was taken over by an, another big bank and they wanted to put their own CFO in so they made me redundant and uh, kind of got bored. I was gradually for a while, I got bored and started doing my own thing and 20, that was 20, 20 years ago and uh, I haven't had time to look for a real job since. I've just been busy <laughs> doing my own stuff and you know, advising different people and getting involved in different businesses. And I've just been just working for myself, you know, just being a bit entrepreneurial and, you know, trying mm -hmm. to do different things. And so I've been lucky, like really, really lucky, to be honest, Carl. Um, I, I, I think, yeah, go ahead, Joe. Sorry, I think, Carl, one of the things that probably came out of the UCD stuff was, you know, Keith talked about, you know, being realistic about football and you know i suppose from my point of view when i came back i was able to marry developing a career in financial services with playing football at a you know a decent level um through the league of ireland and i was able to do that for 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 quite a few years now you know and and i think that was one of the 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 the, the side effects or the impacts of education you know i mean this was before what we see now, as I said, you know, somebody asked me, I'm constantly asked by people, in fact, you know, if you were 20 now, would you would you make a different decision? You know, and you can't, you know, obviously you don't know, but I suppose given the, 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 the kind of money that's involved in the game now, I probably would make a different decision. But, you know, at the time it was the right decision for me and I've, I've never had any regrets about leaving Manchester United and doing it the way I did either. Um, you know, never. Um, I enjoyed the League of Ireland. I made, I saw the world. You know, I was very lucky to travel with the League of Ireland team to Trinidad and Tobago. We were out in Los Angeles, New York, down to Florida. We were, you know, we were everywhere. With UCD, I had the same experiences. And um, as Keith said earlier on, what an education we got from playing football. Apart from any academic uh, education that we got, it was 
it was brilliant. It really was. And, um, you know, for me, I, I found that two years at United, you know, stuck in the reserves was a bit soul search, a bit soul destroying because, you know, you're playing at, you know, Anfield and, you know, there's 2,000 people there. You might as well be, you know, in Belfield Park playing with your pals and, and you know, in a humdinger of a local derby against Shamrock Rovers. I prefer that, really, to be perfectly honest with you. But it would be probably different now, um, as I said, you know, the way football has evolved. But um, I certainly have no regrets about it. None. Enjoyed it immensely. And finally, Keith, your son, Mark, also went on to play for UCD. He's in his seventh season. Uh, so he's keeping the tradition alive. Yeah, no, he's doing well. Unfortunately, he got injured uh, about four weeks ago. He tore ligaments in his ankle. So he's out for a while now. But uh, no, he's done well now. He, he, uh, I remember he made his debut as a 17 year old, uh, up in the Brandywell. Um, and, uh, he's been around a while. He's experienced now. He's, you know, UCD, it's much tougher now, I think, today than it was when we were playing because all of the differences that we had in terms of, you know, providing education, scholarships, all that kind of stuff, all the other clubs have now kind of moved up a gear in that respect. So Rovers have actually college, they have all the, you know, the, the, they look after people's education, you know, all the other major League of Ireland clubs have actually, I wouldn't say copied, but they, they're doing similar things in terms of, they've realised that actually if you provide an education to players, you're going to attract really good players. Um, so I think it's harder now. And UCD, as a club, have struggled because I think the difference that they had then, which was attracting all the best younger players because they provided this education, that's beginning to be less and less a factor because all the other clubs are are, are able to do it. But yeah, no, he's done. Mark has done great. You know, like he's he's you know I can't remember. I think he's got over 150 league appearances. So like you know he's. Really? That's that's pretty pretty good. Doesn't have doesn't have two FAI Cup medals though yet, Keith. Sorry, he doesn't have two FAI Cup medals though. Oh, I know. Yeah. Anyway, less said about that. <laughs> yeah, oh, so you're yeah. combining Absolutely. your two medals, is it? Pardon? <laughs> yeah, you're combining your two medals. Oh no, no. I think Keith, am I right? You have an FAI Cup medal with Rovers and with UCD, haven't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Two, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 I spent a good bit of time, Carl, uh, going to Derry and I played with John Cody subsequently. And, uh, you know, uh, John Cody used to have so many medals knocking out of his pockets. It was unbelievable having played at Rovers <laughs> everywhere he went. And then, of course, we might bump into Paul Doolan every now and again. And sure, sure, Paul Doolan had had league medals season in, season out. You know, he was just he was a phenomenon. He was phenomenal. Absolutely. The most consistent player in yeah. the in the 20 years that I played League of Ireland, the most consistent player that I played against was Paul Doolan. Right. Yeah, he's a great player. Yeah. That's it, guys. Uh, really enjoyed that trip down memory lane, talking to uh, Houston yeah. and Rovers. Uh, so thanks many for joining us. All right, Carl. No, Thank you. Thanks, Carl. All the thanks, best. Kate. Yeah, you, Kate. Thank you, Kate. Take it easy. God bless. Mind yourselves, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, so the lads, um, some brilliant, brilliant stories there, Prof. Um, interesting to hear the other side of the coin as regards to having an education and then leaving football, like going to Pegasus. And then I love that story where he was talking about, who was he talking to? Man United player. He's like, oh, yeah, who, 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 who did you play? Some local team. 
How does it go? No, he was playing in the game. He was reeling them in. Brilliant, brilliant interview. Two very, very eager fellas to chat. Lovely, lovely blokes who wanted to talk. Do you know what? Joe wasn't sure how it would go. I'm not sure. I've never heard, or sorry, not Joe. I've never heard a Keith Dignam interview before. And he emailed me after and he says, geez, I enjoyed that a lot more than I thought I would. Financial so sector. He went in sceptical. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. Financial sector, I, I kind of pictured when I was listening to it, my like description of them was them sitting in the pinstripe up the top, you know, swirling the whiskey, going around on the swivel chair with the view <laughs> out the back of it. And he's just like, yeah, yeah, you're playing for you, Shane, you're playing for all these big Wall Street <laughs> fat cats. Yeah, I know the Africa story was was Nuts. on the run as well. Nuts, brilliant, and, brilliant uh, stuff again. Probably yeah, really he enjoyable. He, he, like he mentioned there, uh, didn't quite go into detail about it. He, there's a there's a great forty two dot e article with, with Joe. You want to check that out? There's a bit more on the Man United stuff. So here's a quote from it. Uh, this is Joe speaking about Ferguson. He says when we spoke. He said I needed to prove myself like everybody else. At the end of the season he offered me an increase in my contract for one year but the increase was rubbish which I pointed out to him and which he didn't like. We had a row. I told Fergie to shove his Manchester United contract and he told me to get out of his office. The following day I flew to Shannon and never went back. Wow. (laughs) Just like that. Yeah. My God. That was in 83 or 4 was it? 87 because he would have took over and they won because oh he won with Aberdeen so this was, this was like in the middle of Milltown being sold and then we have the talk of boycott season and then he signs for Rovers but United held on to his registration you know where the clubs had all the power yeah yeah, yeah 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 and you before probably, the Bosman was a regular team and that's the, yeah, yeah yeah but you probably heard me say on the in the interview the Kevin Moran documentary was literally the night before we did that. It was quite funny. I walked in, I forgot it was on, and there was Kevin Moran and was a Norman Whiteside and it was the other player. I think it was Brian Robson talking about going out drinking a lot under Ron Atkinson and it's Paul <laughs> McGrath as well. And that whole and then Fergie comes in. It's well documented. He changes the whole culture. And it was just kind of funny that that documentary aired. And then I had Joe on who played for two years under Fergie. And That's no coincidence. An Irishman. Of, you know what you're doing. An Irishman who was there at the time was was uh, quite a coincidence. And uh, Moran actually, because we beat United twice in 86 and 87. And the second one that the two lads played in against each other. Moran said afterwards that. He was very impressed by He said, you're a credit to the League of Ireland. Mm. And last point on this. If you go on to Joe's Wikipedia page. Um, I think I asked him this before. Who wrote this? It says, in 1997, he then joined Bohemians alongside his more talented brother, Peter. <laughs> his more talented <laughs> brother. <laughs> his brother definitely wrote that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're coming to the end, Prof. That is it for this week I think we are done we have UCD coming up come on out make sure you go to the women's game on the Saturday as well it's going to be a big occasion Samba Drummers doing the Carnival checking it out over there and speaking of students prof best of luck to any Rowers fans sitting there leaving cert and their junior cert this week as well prof 
English Awful paper memories two. of the fucking thing. English paper two, garage. I can still remember the dread. Maeve Binchy. <laughs> What's the other depressing old poet that we used to have? I can't remember her name. She died a horrible death anyway. I remember, I think I got Heaney. Awful stuff. Never ever use it again, ever again in my life. Any of these poems, no matter what. I don't know what else, but just the English paper especially. Just the stress of it. <laughs> I was doing higher as well. I, don't know what I did higher, yeah, yeah. I mean, I did ordinary maths and Irish. Everything had to be rethought. You're just like, oh my God, the stress, the sweat. That I was roasting in my junior <laughs> and even as well. Anyway, we're not actually doing anyone any any help here. It's great. You'll swim through. It's different. That was back in prehistoric days. It's changed now. It's much better. And then years later, I ended up schooling your younger brother, Tamo. Yeah, and me as well in maths. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Yeah, so that is it. Anyway, we'll see you in the South Stand. Don't forget, leave your flags up after the game for the women's game on the Saturday. And that is it for this week. Keep on hooping. See ya. Philosophy